Welcome back to Word of God, where three English majors who have set out to analyze Supernatural now that it's done to figure out what was it supposed to be, what did it become, and how. I'm Ash, the old-time fan. My pronouns are v vim verb himself or it itself, and you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ash comma man. I'm Emma, the latecomer. My pronouns are she, her, and they, them. You can follow me on Tumblr at Lazarus Emma. I'm Wyatt, the newcomer. My pronouns are he, him. You can follow me on Twitter at Topple Thrones. And you can follow the show on Twitter and Tumblr at Word of Godcast. Okay. Today we are doing episodes, at the very least, episodes 13 and 14. You'll know by the title if we've managed to make it to episode 15, but we've got a real batch ahead of us, folks, and uh, have no idea how much airtime we're going to fill just talking about these first two. Oh, Jesus. There's so much in these. There's a, there's a whole lot. Oh, wait, are we, are we doing the content warning introduction? Oh, yeah. For episode 1.13, content warnings include racially motivated killing and hate crimes, car-related violence, sexual content, the death of a parent, murder, but it's of a white supremacist, dead children, and police brutality. For episode 14, content warnings include violence, dismemberment, eye trauma, gunshots, suicide, parental abuse, death of a parent, mention of food insecurity, and ableism towards mental health. Okay. So we're doing content warnings now for everybody because it's easier for people who are just listening rather than mm-hmm. going to the... You can always find also our content warnings in the uh, in the show notes, but but yeah, we will mm-hmm. also do them, be doing them live. Not live, but we will doing, be doing them on the air uh, from now on. If you want us to warn for something we don't already flag, you can reach us through our ask box on Tumblr at Word of Godcast or send an email to wordofgodcast at gmail.com. It would be pretty cool if we had Word of God at Gmail, but we don't. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> Imagine getting an email. Oh, it's just the word of God. God sent you an email. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened to Jonah. And he said, I'm not checking that inbox and went on a boat. <laughs> and then he got swallowed by fish. Okay. So, episode 13, Route 666. We open on Cape Girardeau, Gir- I think is how you pronounce that, Missouri. It's very cold. It says so on the radio. Um, by the way, this episode is shot literally in my hometown. Uh, it's very weird. I'll talk more about that later. Um, a black man, his race is going to be important, uh, driving down the road, uh, is driving down the road, and then a big fucking truck rushes him down and slams in the back of his car. Uh, then it mysteriously disappears, but then reappears in front of him, runs him off the road, and up a very convenient, like, ramp, like, pipes laid out in a ramp shape. He goes up over the ramp because that's exciting, and it totals his car. Uh, he is very dead. The truck then fades out of existence. This whole scene is incredible. Uh, the camera is treating the truck like it's some sort of wild animal. It makes monster noises. It revs like a bull pawing the earth. I cannot express to you how much this truck is. If you haven't, if you are just watching, if you are not just listening to this podcast and are not watching the show, please go watch the first like minute. Of Route 666. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. My notes just um, say a truck in like all caps. Like this is not just yeah, a truck. Uh-huh. This is like this a is, truck. This is the most truck. It has four like massive headlights. It's a it's a it's basically a monster truck, but it is literally a monster truck. A well, ghost truck, but, you know. Put in a room. <laughs> okay, well, sorry. We can definitely uh-huh. we can definitely cut this, but uh, it's very important to me that you all know that. 
Emma probably knows this, but later on when they do uh the Hellraisers or Hellhazers uh episode, <coughs> um they use bits from this episode and the movie is literally what? the movie that they are referencing is literally titled Monster Truck. Incredible. I'm leaving it's, this in. That's great. That. That's a great fact. You did Oh my god. And they also I forget what other episode they use, but they they use another one from another episode. I think Scarecrow. Yeah. That's very funny. All right. Uh, cut to the brothers. Dean has gotten a call from a quote-unquote old friend named Cassie. Uh, her father's been killed. He's the guy from the cold open. Sam assumes correctly that she's his ex and gets Dean to admit that they went out. Dean also admits tacitly that he told her about the monster hunting thing, and Sam gets very mad at him about that, considering everything Dean has said about not telling people about this. But maybe he has a reason for that. Maybe it's this. Uh, we then cut to Cassie, who is a reporter. She and who... Uh, Jimmy's her editor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. She and her editor, Jimmy, uh, who is also black, are trying to get a story published about what they think are targeted killings, but the mayor, who is a white guy, doesn't want them to publish it and is generally being very condescending. This episode is trying to say things about race, you guys. Uh, Sam and Dean show up. Cassie is happy to see Dean. They share some emotional eye contact. Uh, and then we cut to the boys at her house where she tells them the situation. She talks about tracks in the mud and the car going over something, which I didn't super understand. I guess, like, you guys said to me that you thought that meant that the car had gone over the edge of the road. Well, you talked about a ramp, way... maybe that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It was weird. But, yeah, the, the point is, is there was only one set of car tracks, but also he had said previously that he had seen this truck. Uh, which makes it mysterious because the trucks didn't leave any like tire tire tracks. Um, and the we car know that was, it's a ghost, like but... had a dent in it, so they knew it was hit by something. Oh yeah, no yeah, marks. yeah. The car got yes. So there's something mysterious here going on. Um, and uh, also previously someone else had died. That was the thing they were talking about the targeted killings. This has happened once before. Uh, the other person who died was her dad's friend. Uh, and they co-owned this car dealership together. This man was also black. That's partly why they think this is like a, a racial thing, which it will turn out that it is. Um, cut to another car crashed, uh, and it's Jimmy, the editor from earlier. Uh, the truck, I wrote, the truck revs like a beast celebrating its victory. Cut to the morning. The mayor is eulogizing Jimmy, and Cassie wants him to close the road. He can't do that. Says they're just accidents. He's very suspicious. Uh, in this scene, uh, she says, would you close the road if the victims were white? And he basically says, I'm not racist. Ask your mom, which is Which is extremely funny as a line of like, your uh -huh, mom. Yeah, but... no. I mean, that's not exactly what he says. It was, he's like, I'm the last person. I'm, I'm the last person who you should call racist. Ask your mom about that or something like that. But yeah, it's very weird. Um, we cut to the brothers who are putting on suits. Sam's noticed some sexual tension between Dean and Cassie and teases him for it. Dean gets grumpy. Um, we cut to the docks. This is, I could walk there. I could walk to where this scene is shot. It's like 20 minutes from my house. Uh, it's, you could it's very interesting in the spot to me. Where the boys yeah, stood. I'm like, I've been, I've probably eaten food at that picnic table. Um, anyway, anyway, um, 
So they, they go to the docks uh, where the brothers are impersonating insurance agents, which is why they're in suits, to ask these fishermen questions about the spooky ghost truck. One of the fishermen, again, who is black. I, this episode has almost as many people of color in it than the rest of the show combined. <laughs> It has, we, uh, according to our which? track sheet, we have five out of 17 to this point. Okay, I guess not as many as I thought, but definitely, like, is t in terms so of So a third roles. of the total in one episode. Yeah, a third is still a whole lot. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, uh... They're asking these fishermen questions about the spooky ghost truck. Uh, the fisherman uh, tells them about a similar thing that happened back in the 60s. He says, there was a time this town wasn't too friendly to all of its citizens. The brothers talk. Sam makes a baffling reference to the Flying Dutchman and compares it to this truck, which made me just absolutely burst out laughing. Um, Sam then pivots the conversation to Cassie and Dean. Dean admits they were, quote, pretty close, unquote. Sam gets, uh, gets out of Dean that she dumped him, apparently, uh, where previously the thought was that Dean had dumped her because he needed to be on the road again. We cut to Cassie at night at the news office. Uh, that's not what it's called. What's the place where the newspaper's printed called? The publisher? The, the printing press? I swear there's like a is word. Is it still called the printing the print press? I don't know. The printer? The printers? I don't know. Maybe Fuck. it is just a news office. News. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Word what? of God, where we have to Google like simple phrases. because we're all What is the so place stupid. where the newspaper is printed called? The news agent is that the a thing? printing house, the press, it, the publishing. I don't, I don't fucking know. The news office. Who cares? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Mm. Um, it's at night. She's going through Jimmy's things because uh, he's dead, and like I guess she's the only person who can do that, or like she was his coworker anyway. Uh, but she gets a visit from Dean. Um, she tells him this anecdote about how the paper used to be owned by racists, uh, the Dorian family. Uh, Jimmy was the first um, black uh, like newspaper journalist. That's the word. Um, and then like rose to editor, etc. Um, Dean asks her about that weird thing the mayor said. She doesn't know. She hasn't asked her mom yet. Uh, the topic then changes to their relationship. Things immediately get tense. They start arguing about each other's emotional issues. Turns out he told her about the monster hunting thing, and she thought he was just trying to dump her, so she dumped him first. Anyway, they both apologize. She kisses him, and then they fuck. We cut to them doing that. Um, then we cut to the mayor, who is being suspicious, looking at the plans out on the road. Uh, and then he runs into the truck at, during the day. It chases him. This shot is very weird. It... It apparently the truck runs him over, but to me it looked like he dived out of the way. It's it's probably but I just guess... like the actor dove, but you were supposed to think he went flying. Yeah, yeah, I but guess yeah. that's it. Like, I figured they... the way his eyes work also doesn't look like he got hit by a truck. It looks like something no, like, weird happened. But in the script, it it probably said like the truck runs him over. Like how do we shoot that? And instead, he just like. I guess we were supposed to think the truck hit him, but also his face wouldn't be beat up in that way. I thought he fell and broke his neck at first, but but yeah, the truck apparently runs him over. The point is the truck killed him. That's not what him. it looks like. Yeah, he gets killed by the truck. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the first uh, white person who's been killed by this truck. Um, cut to Cassie and Dean in bed, talking about their feelings. They're interrupted by Sam calling him to go check out the mayor's death. It's weird. Dean's investigating the killings from the 60s. Sam's investigating the mayor and the Dorian family. Turns out the mayor bought their house and bulldozed it. 
And also, it turns out, Cyrus Dorian went missing in the 60s. Also, the killing started after the house got bulldozed. We cut to Cassie in her house alone. The truck shows up, revving outside. It keeps threatening to smash into the house, but it doesn't for some reason. We find out later that the truck showed up to threaten her, which is very funny. Uh, she runs around the inside. It's it's a really bizarre scene. It goes on for too long. She's just kind of like running around the inside of her house, and the truck keeps showing up outside the window. She uh, keeps closing the blinds. As yeah, she keeps closing the anything. blinds. Right, like, I forgot about that. If the truck can't see me, then it can't smash through the wall. It's so funny. Um, anyway, she calls Dean, and then uh, we cut to the boys being here, and she's fine. They talk about the truck. Apparently, this is a thing it does. It shows up to threaten people before it kills them, which does track. We saw that, or she described that happening to her dad. I don't think we saw that for Jimmy or the mayor, but, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, this is where they get Cassie's mom to finally spill the beans. We get a big lore dump. Apparently, Cassie's dad thought Cyrus was the one behind the truck. Dean goes full detective and notices that she says Cyrus died, not went missing, which is the official report. Even though that's like a perfectly reasonable thing to say for a person who's been missing for the past like 50 years. But anyway, uh, this gets her to fully spill the bill, spill the mm, spill, spill the beans. <laughs> Uh, so she talks about how she apparently dated Cyrus back in the day, and also she was seeing Cassie's dad on the down low, whose name is Martin. Uh, who boy. Cyrus got very mad when she broke up with him, and he found out that she was also seeing Martin. Uh, the day she and Martin ran off to get married, he set a church on fire and killed a bunch of kids, apparently. Um, also beat Martin with a stick, but Martin took it from him and killed him with it right in front of his truck, bathed in the headlights of it. Um, Dean you make it says, sound like the truck is his poor, helpless child. Yeah, I know, right? Well, <laughs> but that's how the shot. That's how the shot. That's how the shot frames it. The shock so has been anthropomorphized this whole episode, and even before it's haunted. And we learn later that his soul has fused with this truck. Um, it's really good. It's it's incredible. Anyway. Dean says the dumbest thing in the world, which is, why didn't you call the cops? Uh, to be fair to Cassie's mom, she looks at him like he's an absolute fucking idiot, which he is. Mm -hmm. um, but then anyway, she says that was Martin... 40 years ago, as if, like... Yeah, which is... Right, yeah, I forgot. We're gonna I did write that down, this. but yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Anyway, Martin put Cyrus's body in the truck, called his friends. They dumped the truck in the water. Apparently, the thing the mayor was talking about earlier was the fact that he was a cop who figured out what Martin did and decided not to do anything about it. The mayor's a good cop, apparently. I say that with humongous scare quotes. They call him a good man in those words yeah. for doing nothing. Again, we're going to talk about this. Yeah, we got. If we get to episode fifteen today, we have a whole, we have a lot of cop stuff to talk about. Oh yeah, there's a lot of cops. Um, the brothers talk about how dumb this killer truck is, and Sam misses his boring life. Uh, they talk about how remodeling homes makes spirits restless, and that's what awoke Cyrus. Uh, Cassie comes out, asks her. Uh, Dean asks her not to leave the house. They start making out right in front of Sam, who finds this very awkward. Get a room, you two. Literally. Um, the boys uh, then go and pull the truck out of the water and burn the body. But then the ghost truck shows up anyway. Like I said earlier, turns out part of the spirit is fused with this truck. Uh, Dean's going to get into a car chase with truck. it while Sam... They pushed the truck into the uh -huh. swamp and it killed the truck. Yes. So now it's yeah, a they ghost killed the truck. truck. It yes, is a it's a ghost truck. Ghost truck. <laughs> uh. Uh, so they have to... They So Dean's... Okay. 
this scene is absurd because like they have like a couple minutes to plan here even though the truck has shown up i guess it's doing that thing where it's threatening them again but it's still extremely silly um so yeah dean's gonna chase it away while sam figures out how to dispose the truck sam's like how do how am i supposed to burn this truck dean says i don't know you figure it out um so dean goes off in the car as the truck chases him uh sam pulls out a map of the map of the town and gets dean to go to a specific spot uh sam is weirdly vague about what this is going to do for dramatic tension uh the truck rushes straight at dean and if like he is he's in the spot there's like some some like navigation happening but he gets to the spot uh he stops the truck like lines up to charge at him and then of course it evaporates before it can hit him turns out this is because dean is where the church was this plan is fucking stupid dean dean is like what if you were wrong and sam says honestly that thought hadn't occurred to me <laughs> my notes say kill him uh, uh-huh <laughs> uh dean is re- very reasonably upset about this in the denouement, Dean says goodbye to Cassie, but hopes the goodbye will be less permanent. Cassie says she's a realist and doesn't hold out a lot of hope for their relationship, but they make out anyway. Sam watches this very awkwardly from inside the car. Uh, Dean reluctantly pulls away and leaves. In the car, Sam asks Dean if it's really worth hunting monsters when he could stay with her. Dean says absolutely nothing, puts on his sunglasses, and goes to sleep. Mm. And that's the episode. <sighs> yeah. So that was a lot. Okay. Um, I want to preface uh-huh. the like getting into it by saying that this is the first episode written by the pair known as uh, Buck Lemming because it is Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross Lemming who have always worked together and throughout Supernatural. If I say Buck Lemming, it's these two people. Um, they're not good writers. Their episodes are not good. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna put it that plainly. They're not good at this. Uh. But nope. as the show progresses, they, like, rise through the ranks until they're, I think, executive producers by, like, later seasons. Oh, God. Uh, and Great. you ask, why is that? And, um, unrelated fun fact, Eugenie Ross Lemming is the wife of Robert Singer, who is the, what's his position? Uh, executive producer, I think? Nepotism. Like we love to see it. We love to see it. Uh, also, while we're doing fun fact corners, um, I'm on the Super Wiki right now, which I will link in a moment. Um, apparently, the showdown between the Impala and the racist truck is reminiscent of an episode of Knight Rider. Oh. Uh, the episode is K-I-T-T versus K-A-R-R, or Kit ex- versus Car. That's extremely funny. Um, and also, the original pitch for this episode was based on the idea of it being a 42-minute car chase. However, budget and logistics of filming the, the episode fuck? forced what? the premise to be rethought. What the fuck? How do you yeah. make a 42-minute car chase interesting? I, yeah, I have I no I mean, clue. people watch Fast That's and the most... Movies. I don't know what those are about. <laughs> no, um... The car chases... That movie understands how to do car chases, which is they're like three to like i don't know it's i've only seen tokyo drift but they're not that long and they're interspersed with other dramatic things happening mm-hmm. oh here's the thing i was talking about earlier in the faux trailer for hellhazers to the reckoning in 218 hollywood babylon writer martin flag is also creditor credited as the writer of cornfield massacre and monster truck which are illustrated with images from 111 scarecrow <sighs> and this episode there's That's also really a shot funny. from of the hook from 17 hookman uh, of Claire's desiccated hands from 2-7, The Usual Suspects. Uh, and I'm not going to read the rest of these because they're a yeah. little bit spoiler. There's a lot uh, of... We, we'll talk about that when we get to that episode eventually. 
Um, yeah, this. Wait, I liked hold on. The... Sorry, I li... sorry. Okay, one more. more trivia. Route six 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 has the distinction of being the highest rated episode of Supernatural. What? With a five point eight two rating. <laughs> rated by whom? I don't know. What, like There's on IMDb? There's not even a source here. It's got to be IMDb, right? That sounds like the IMDb rating. The highest okay. rated. Wait, you said the highest rated with what? 5.18? 5 5.82. That's the highest rated which, Supernatural. Ep- I don't know which wiki that page you're on, right but the me. one I have open, supernatural.fandom.com slash wiki slash root 666, uh, says this is the most watched episode in the series with 5.82 mm. million viewers on original airing. So that uh, might be the number you're on. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, I'm on That sounds much wiki, more reasonable. And this. <laughs> Yeah, this what? thing does not have a source for it, so that, yeah, that's probably I mean, what this it also is, doesn't have a source, but it, it makes up. more sense. Mm-hmm. Is there, like, I'm now looking up, is there, like, a, uh, I'm deeply curious if there was, like, a teaser trailer or something for this episode back in 06 that got this many people to tune in, like, but I'm looking this up. And I can't find anything, which is deeply sad to me. I would love to watch. Wait! No, I found a trailer for it! I'm watching this trailer. It's 30 seconds. Okay. We're gonna post this trailer for (sighs) y'all. Is the trailer, like, epic? (laughs) Okay, this is a- this is a- this is a German trailer for this- for this episode. But it has- it- it- it, like, the guy doing it has this deep, growly voice. Wait, here we go. I think this is it. I think I found it. (laughs) Okay. This isn't... This isn't as funny as the German one. We should also post that, but... But I'm... I'm posting this in... In our Discord. Y'all should watch this. It's 20 seconds. It's... It's very funny. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, this is peak oh mid 2000s. This is absolutely peak mid 2000s. How did that make it worse than the episode? <laughs> I am oh, crying. The- this is, is this so- really? This is the most watched supernatural episode out of every supernatural episode on original airing, at least. On original. Although I don't know when the wiki page was updated, so it might have been. Mm. You know, it might have changed for the finale or whatever. Incredible. <sighs> this is the energy we need to talk about this episode. That is crazy. Okay, I'm obsessed with this wiki page though because, in addition to the information about most watched episode, it says that. Um, this is the only episode where an evil spirit has been defeated due to the fact that it crossed hollowed grounds. In every other episode, evil spirits and demons mm-hmm. can enter mm, the church great. without harm. So we've got some more. Uh, great. Yeah, I wrote that. Na- I wrote. I noted that down. Yeah, I like. It makes a little bit more up. sense to me considering, like, we saw previously in episode one the like ghosts of those dead children pull uh, their mom down to hell. Mm-hmm. So like there being a bunch of dead on top of this being church ground, there's also a bunch of dead children ghosts here probably who like I could see also being involved with dissipating this truck. I like that it gets it, these these dead kids get to enact justice and save Dean. That's my yeah. headcanon for why this works and that why this never works again. That makes more sense than what Buck Lemming wrote. We literally watched an episode about a ghost haunting a church. <sighs> yeah. For like 10 minutes. Yeah, we did, didn't we? The wiki page 
also has trivia and errors as the CW's official summary. First of all, misspells. I'm quoting the page here. It says misspells uh-huh. Mississippi as Missouri, which is completely the wrong place. And apparently the official Wait. summary has an error where I don't know how to pronounce her name. I'm sorry. Megalyn Echikonwoke is not credited as a guest star, even though that is Cassie. And she's definitely should be credited. Yeah, she's like, I guess like early actor facts. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, she's a big TV actor. She was like a, a decently major character in like that 70s show and 24 uh, before. Actually, that 70s show might have been after Supernatural, but. Yeah, anyway, she's also on CSI Miami. Um, so, does this episode take place in Missouri or Mississippi? Because... It's Missouri. It's Missouri. Okay, okay, okay. It's Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which is okay, a place. Because this, this Supernatural wiki that I'm on also has it as Missouri, so I wanted to make sure. Okay. Well, oh, that might so have much. at the top, like, this is official CW summary. Sometimes the wiki pages mm-hmm. have that. Yeah. Um. All right, so... Uh, I like the Cassie stuff in this episode. Yeah. Um, Literally gave me like, brainworms. It's, Cassie's it's, the only good part of this episode. It's juicy mm-hmm. in, like, a CW, like, d- d- kind of way of, like, love me some messy emotional drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything else about this episode sucked. Let's talk about it. I mean, first of all, the absolute hilarity of writing an episode about a racist truck. Yeah. Yeah, we've, it's we've, so absurd. You've heard us. You've heard us talk about the racist truck in previous episodes. It's We're infamous. finally here. This is it. Mm-hmm. It. It's like okay, why I would you make Supernatural of all shows try to make like an after-school special, very special episode uh-huh. about racism, and like never use black that. people again in your show? Literally, literally. Okay, I need to know. Does Cassie show up again? Nope. One episode. No. <laughs> God damn it. I don't think she's even yeah. referenced again. <laughs> nope. Not in my memory. Great. <sighs> Great. Yeah. Just throw this whole episode in the fucking trash. Literally. It's so bad. Okay, so let's get into why it's bad. We, we, okay. We've started, but let's get into it. Let's dig this thing apart. Let's start with the cold open. Um. Uh-huh. First of all, like... I the first note I have is wow that car really took a second to start chasing him again. There uh-huh. was one point where he like stops and the truck just kind of stares at him for like fifteen seconds. It's a very, very like, spooky truck. It's trying to it's trying to be threatening, Ash. It's you gotta aren't you scared of this truck? Oh, by the way, I forgot <laughs> to say like this is probably at least someone inspired by the Stephen King story about a, like a ghost truck, which we've talked about Stephen King and cars and trucks previously. Um, I think that was in like the '90s when that was a whole thing. There was like a mini series about it, but. Uh, but yeah, that's like a that's like one of those trucks that is like has stuff attached to it. It's like a long haul truck. This is a this is literally a monster truck. Mm-hmm. It sure is. And from the sixties, I should know. I don't know what make. Yeah, I don't know car what the is, fuck. But it does not look like it's from the fucking. This truck 60s. is supposed to. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very funny cold open. Um, I do like this is this is like maybe one of the few things I actually like about this episode besides the Cassie stuff. I do kind of like how the car turns around and then just fades out of existence. Mm-hmm. Like, And then, like, the only thing that's left is it's the smoke from its muffler or whatever. Like, I think that's kind of cool. But that's, like, it. Yeah. 
The smell, also the smoke from its muffler is treated like breath, like it's a big animal, like breathing, mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. see it's like, like if hot it wasn't breath, so it's... silly, it would be kind of cool. Yeah, uh-huh. like the the anthropomorphization of the truck is hilarious, but like the way they use it is very good. Yeah, um, I would like, I would mark out for this truck if it was like an enemy in a Devil May Cry game or some stupid shit like that, but like. It's very it's, anime. Yeah, for like, for this supernatural. Like like a JoJo thing. Yeah, it does. It does. You're right. There is an episode about like a car. Actually, it's a motorbike. I think in JoJo. I've never fucking like seen a... JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and yeah, I somehow have it down. This pat. is no. Yeah, you're super right. This is this truck is someone's stand. Uh, anyway, monster trucks. Uh, monster truck rallies apparently were a thing developed in the late seventies. So so yeah, I don't I don't know what's up with this truck. It's, I, okay, I mean, here I am doing my thing. I suppose you can say that it says it's supposed to be like a caricature of typical American masculinity. Yeah, for because, sure. Because right. like the- that's, that's what they're doing the, with it. The stereotype of like a racist white dude. I literally saw this shit yesterday. It's like a big truck, a big pickup truck with big tires and a big muffler and like it's big and scary and it makes a lot of loud noises and it's got a Blue Lives Matter Punisher sticker on it. Oh my god. And fucking <sighs> hilarious. Um, yeah, you know what? Thank God this truck didn't have any bumper stickers on it. Doesn't need to be that on the nose. <laughs> yeah. It, it was like that fucking Calvin and Hobbes ass like pissing on liberals thing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Love there's you know just what one guy in America. About? There is one man. <laughs> There is one there is one type of American man. Um so like I guess like I get what that's saying, but it seems like such an out of place thing because like that's such a modern um like concept. Like American terms of masculinity have changed so much since the sixties. So yeah. you're trying to transpose this very modern uh like stereotype onto an entirely different decade with entirely different viewpoints of gender. Like, <laughs> it's, like, e- not even, like, taking the race thing into it. Like, it just feels, that's part of why it feels so silly. It feels so out of place because, like, it it just, it's, it's anachronistic. Mm-hmm. Mm. Apparently, this truck is supposed to be a 1962 Dodge Power Wagon, which... I'm looking up pictures of 1962 Dodge Power Wagon. None of these have, like, the big stupid exhaust pipe that this has. The front bumper doesn't look even remotely similar on any of these. So if it is a 1962 Dodge Power Wagon, it is a very souped-up version. It has, like, one of those front, like, I don't know anything about cars, but one of those, like, things that race cars have on the front that's, like, a... Like a little exhaust thing for the for the for the engine. Um, you know mm-hmm. what what are those called? I have no. You are asking idea. the wrong people. Yeah, I know. I am. I don't know. Right, <laughs> right in. I get. I like. It doesn't Drop matter. an essay about like, cars in our inbox. These are farm trucks. Yeah, uh-huh. which would make more sense. But like, again, this is like a this is a big souped up version. Like its mm-hmm. wheels are bigger. It has this big exhaust thing. Like it has that race car, whatever those are called. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, Because, like, these are... It has, like, lights on the top, which none of these do. Yeah, well, these trucks... You know those uh, pictures of, like, pumpkin patch trucks or, like, Christmas tree trucks? Yeah. 
that's what this is. Yeah, it's, it's a like farm a truck. cozy for, little farm for, truck. It's like attaching stuff to the back and like pulling stuff around. Yeah, like even if you painted this black, I wouldn't no. necessarily be like, "Ooh, that truck's a racist." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are just like big, you know, these are kind of charming. Like these are big round boys. Yeah, they're cute. They're they they got the they got power, but they're like there's a pluckiness about them. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm anthropomorphizing these trucks, but I it's in comparison to the way the truck is treated. These trucks read as friendly to me. Uh-huh. I can imagine yeah. the back of it like filled with pumpkins. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or we like, have a it's one of those holder that looks exactly like this yeah. truck. It's one of those that you like. You go to like a country farm and you go on like a hayfield ride through. Mm-hmm. Like I'm seeing exactly. some of these that have like wooden railings. Like, but I can not a bunch this of kids truck. In there this truck is full going of for ghosts and racism. Yeah, this 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 truck is racist. <laughs> <laughs> this truck hates liberals. Just like the Impala. Just like the Impala. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I mean, we could definitely talk about the way this truck is compared with the Impala. Yeah. In terms of, like, the Impala's able to outrun it, to some degree, anyway. There's, like, a, I don't know, a sleekness to the Impala in the way Mm -hmm. it is treated in this episode compared to, like, the big burly nature of this truck. Yeah, Dean does some excellent stunt driving. Yeah, he does. He takes some very cool I will say that the... The, the car chase is very good, and I'm really I liked, glad it yeah. was only about five minutes rather yes. than 42. <laughs> Can you imagine if they just made yeah, us watch like, stunt driving for 42 minutes? I, it wouldn't have worked. It would be terrible TV. It would be garbage. Someone in the production team would be like, this is a terrible idea. Like, what is the plan some, there? To just be on the phone the whole time the... while they do their research? Like, yeah, Sam's in the passenger seat know. tapping at his laptop? Maybe, maybe How, what they would have done it's is like... They don't have Wi-Fi. He's maybe what they would have done. Maybe what they would have done is intercut. Is intercut like flashbacks or something? I don't know. I fuck, I but then it wouldn't know. be forty-two minutes of car. Whatever. Right. It's bad. Right. We're glad they didn't do that at least. Mm-hmm. Very glad. So I guess moving on chronologically, if we have anything else on the cold open, this episode, this this. Discussing this episode is going to be a mess because there is just so much. There's. Yeah. So be be prepared for that. There's nothing's gonna make a lick of fucking sense. We're doing some stunt driving with our steering of this episode. I'm gonna ban you from the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> but who's gonna make the Tumblr post? Me, bitch. Uh. So okay. So I guess that's the cold open. It's very. It's very much. Also, it's, like, really foggy. The, like, dry ice machines are, like, really pumping out as much as they can get out of them throughout this entire episode during every night scene. Yeah. Ash, what are you doing to your microphone? I'm not doing- a squeaker is kicking my speaker, so I moved it so that he wouldn't kick it off the desk. Blame my cat. I don't know how foggy it gets in, uh, Missouri. Or rainy, for that matter. Also, it started snowing, and it's in Missouri? I don't think it snows very much in Missouri. (laughs) Supernatural settings continue to uh, stretch the bounds of our suspension of disbelief. Mm -hmm. For you, maybe. I just watch things happen, and I'm like, yep, that makes sense. (laughs) Emma, you are also the one who didn't recognize that the song was not Don't Fear the Reaper, so... (laughs) I'm still fucking salty about that. (laughs) I'm very sorry the show gaslit you. (laughs) And then Emma gaslit me from her own stupidity. I guess specifically Netflix, the Netflix version. 
Mwah. Okay. Let's get back on track. After the cold open, uh, I like yes. how the boys have a little bit of banter talking about Cassie. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Where Sam's like an it old is. friend, and Dean's like, yeah, a friend that's not new. Like, I love that. They're so dumb. It's very good. It's also really uncomfortable. <laughs> like, the the whole... Which I think is a good thing. The whole, like, everything to do with Cassie and Dean, with, like, the exception of the scene at Cassie's house, that, like, the argument and then the sex scene, like, all of it feels very much like we are Sam. We are, like, very awkwardly on the outside of this yeah. relationship. Yeah. And, like, kind of looking in and prying, and it's very uncomfortable. And I think it's good. Like, every time Dean and Sam talk about Dean and Cassie's relationship, like, yeah. Dean is so uncomfortable and embarrassed, and it's really good, and it's really uncomfortable as an audience member in a good way. Also, Sam's girlfriend died horribly six months ago, so, like, you know, he's probably... Probably doesn't like being reminded of... of that. Mm-hmm. Which might have something to do with why Dean... Pretend- or, I mean, it's not entirely for Sam's feelings' sake, but um, how Dean pretends that it mm-hmm. was just a couple weeks... Sam expresses surprise that Dean dated anyone, period. Right? He's like, yeah, that you dated like someone for more stand. than one night. And Dean's like, shut up. Um, so we have, you know, Sam's impression of Dean's romantic and sexual habits. And we have yeah. Dean kind of concealing his own feelings. Oh, Dean Winchester, you are such a repressing boy. Dean Repression Winchester. There's also a line, I think it's in the same scene. It might be a little bit later. Where Sam says, family rule number one, we do what we do and we shut up about it. I think it's Sam. I'll actually check the transcript. Yeah, because because uh, when it comes out that Dean told her about the truth, um, Sam says, you told her the secret. Our big family rule number one, we do what we do and we shut mm-hmm. up about it. For a year and a half, I do nothing but lie to Jessica. So he's explicitly drawing that parallel. And you go out with this chick yeah. in Ohio a couple of times and you tell her everything. And Dean kind of doesn't say anything. And Sam says, Dean. And Dean says, yeah, it looks like. And this, the transcript There's here. I don't know so who wrote much. this transcript, but it says Sam does the bitch face, shaking his head. <laughs> the bitch face. bitch face. I know exactly what face they're talking about, too. <laughs> it's one of Jared's three expressions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious who does the transcript. I guess it's the people of the wiki. Where, like. Yeah, this is not, like, officially drawn up, I think, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they have, like, a style guy. If someone from if someone from the wiki listens to this, send us an email. Yeah, also you have we want to know what goes on behind the scene. <laughs> <laughs> also, fix that typo, you fucking amateurs. <laughs> I'm kidding. We are a very useful resource. My next notes are when uh, Dean and Cassie reunite. So if anyone has anything before that. All I have is all caps Sam's little smile with absolutely no fucking context. Oh, I, I also have Sam smirks at DC reunion, so that might be the same thing. Yeah, uh, before that, we should maybe talk a little bit about the scene where the mayor is talking to is talking to Jimmy and Cassie. Yes. Because it's, it's extremely, like, shorthand them trying to do, like, oh, look at this. Look at like the power dynamic here. Look at at, at first, I actually thought the mayor was the chief of police because mm-hmm. the like relationship there wasn't super clear. And it turns out I was right about the mayor having cop energy because we learned later that he was an ex cop. Um, but he's being extremely like uh, condescending in this scene in a way that like does ring true, but also mm-hmm. feels like they're trying to set up this 
situation. They're they're trying to immediately be like, yes, this episode is going to talk about race in the most ham-fisted way possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it also doesn't like it makes it it makes the promise that like there's going to be some kind of conflict with the mayor but then the mayor just dies and like that's mostly unresolved other than the thing about like the backstory of him being this cop who was like kind of involved with the situation i guess i don't know it's, it's supposed to like he's the messy. closest we get to a red herring this episode where it's kind of sets up that he's yeah. gonna be a, an antagonist figure but then it turns out he's an ally all along because he doesn't persecute <sighs> people uh-huh I mean, even though he's the one who bulldozed mm-hmm. the house, and like that's why I guess he bulldozed the house because he didn't want to live in in a in a house owned by racists. They probably wanted to dismantle the iconography and kind of like yeah, like like clean their... slate, like like yeah. it's sort of similar to that cop in Dead in the Water of like uh, covering up old like bad things, mm-hmm. the sordid history of this town. Well, I can also see it being like. Like, he could imagine how uncomfortable it was for the people of color in the town to, like, see that their mayor is living in this mm-hmm. house owned by a really powerful yeah. racist family that it is a bad look. slavers. It is yeah. a bad look. So I can see, like, a good reason for him to do it, too. Um, yeah, dismantling like, the house was not a bad decision. It just happened to unleash a ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it yeah. is funny, like, the, the dual way that the mayor is treated in this narrative is, like, on one hand, he's, like, the condescending, like, white guy and a person of power who won't listen to the people who know the truth, um, mm-hmm. and is, like, there's the very explicit thing of, like, would you close down this this road if the people being killed were white, um, which, again, is, like, I don't know about that whole thing. I think it kind of like, sets up that, like, we're supposed to believe Cassie is kind of overreacting, like, look at these liberals putting really? racial i don't know it feels like it kind of has that tone i don't know if that's exactly but what they're she's going right for. she is right but it because the mayor is actually secretly not a racist it does feel yeah, a little I bit guess. like she's reaching too yeah. hard you know like it has a little bit of that tone to it i guess mm-hmm. yeah i, think I don't it's know very... maybe it's just my own predisposed like, yeah. Like, yeah, but... politics but like also like thinking in like Granted, I was seven years old in 2006, um, but a seven-year-old living in eastern Washington, like, mm-hmm. race was not really something I understood. This um, episode definitely gives off the vibe of, like, well-meaning white people yeah, in, the, like, yeah. writing an episode about race in the mid-2000s. Like, yeah. Um, I, Cassie I is think... a very sympathetic character in this episode. Oh, like, I, I feel like I you're supposed her. to, especially, especially as, like... Uh, a love interest for mm-hmm. our protagonist, one of our protagonists, Dean. Like, it feels like she's the one you're supposed to root for in this. Mm-hmm. Like, she's the one who you're supposed to be like, yeah, it is. They should close down this road. Yes, definitely. I just also think that since it turns out that the mayor wasn't a bad guy, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, then mm-hmm. because she kind of got up in his face and accused him of being racist, that was wrong of her to do. And I don't know how it like, sure, I don't, makes her look I think, like an dramatic black woman. Right. That could be a read on it. I think it's just clumsy. Like oh, the mayor like, is a clumsy sure character clumsy. in this script. It's not, like it's like, a loose mm-hmm. it's a loose plot thread. Yeah. I can see am I totally see Like the reading. fact that she um, it wasn't the vibe yeah. that I got. Like, so called like, like it, assumed yeah. or or bl- accused him of uh you know, being racist in this situation and not closing the road. And he's not. And meanwhile, yeah. he's I just being completely true. reasonable. Like, 
that or is actually, not good. Mm, mm. I'm gonna push back about the, against that slightly because she just says like, "Would you close this if like it was white people?" Implying that he's only he... not closing it because it's black people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he says that, that like, it's the only road, says... so he has a perfectly legitimate non-racial reason to That's keep fair. it open. I was just gonna say he brings up the racism thing. It of like defensive white person being like oh now you think i'm being racist huh i'm not racist yeah but the narrative kind of treats it as like i'm not racist defensiveness as like the right thing for him to be saying like he's right Mm -hmm. you know he isn't a racist because when you know black people defend themselves he doesn't arrest them that's true i think it's like back to I think they tried to, like, inject some nuance into there and, like, imply it. Yeah. But it just fell really flat, so he just looks like a condescending dickhead. Um, and it yeah. makes Cassie look like an overdramatic... Like, I don't think that they think Cassie is an overdramatic SJW. Um, if this episode were written maybe four years later by a different writer, uh-huh. uh, I think it would have come out, real, like, a lot differently. Um, but it is very much, like, the politics of early 2000s white people trying to do something that they think is like woke and like yeah. for sure like the extent of something... this episode is just like racism is bad and racists were around in the 60s it's uh-huh. it's literally like it's not even about racism it's about race it's kind like, of it's, it's been the... like the most charitable interpretation of this episode as like part of kripke era of like this specific aesthetic of like americana on the road ghosts mm-hmm. all of that um, mm. I think, like, the, if I didn't know that it was not done well because it's just not well written, like, if this was written <laughs> by somebody I could assume was making good decisions, I would, like, uh-huh. have things to say about, like, America haunted by, you know, the crimes of its past mm-hmm. and, like, the racism as a ghost of America, not that it's com- mm-hmm. not around now, which is another failure of this episode. Yeah, which but, is, yeah. Probably the most major failure of this episode, honestly, but, um... The idea that, like, America is haunted by racism is not in itself a bad premise for a, a, an episode of Supernatural. It's just so badly handled. Mm-hmm. It's also, like, I think there are better, like, things in America's past to bring up as ghosts of racism rather than, rather than like, a fucking an individual d- event. Goofy yeah, truck. a single guy who's pissed off that his yeah. girlfriend was dating a black dude. Like, you could make it about jim crow you could make it about lynchings you could make it about slavery Mm -hmm. like you could make it about more systemic stuff rather than being like this is an individual who was justified by the system therefore there's a little bit of criticism of the system but like it's not actually about the system you know it definitely falls under the like early 2000s like ideology surrounding racism of racism isn't racism is not an institutional thing it's a few bad apples out Mm -hmm. there it is a it is the product of individuals and those individuals are bad but the systems of power are good and we're not racist anymore black people are as equal as everyone else please ignore the institutional systems that are in play here that make that not true and the overwhelming yeah. whiteness of our own of the show way they are treated as citizens yeah, yeah uh-huh that, that fucking irony is just so horrible yeah um, yeah so the the character of the mayor is very like i think they wanted it to have nuance but it just didn't come across that way um being very charitable yeah 
I think it's uh, interesting. I think it's it's fun to me that uh, you two and I both have like a different read on like what the mayor was supposed to like be in this script. I think like speaks to somewhat the messiness of this episode, but also mm -hmm. like I don't know. I like I like when we don't all completely agree on something or like have different readings. I yeah, guess, yeah we're having a nice discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, Cassie, uh, when she introduces them to the mayor, I think, she just uses their full names. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I also winced at that. I was like, no, they're on the run. The feds uh -huh. have their yeah, name. Yeah, like, episode 15 brings that back, yeah. I yeah. think, is kind of like a lead, like Which a reminder. Which was pleasing to me. I liked, I liked that part of Continuity. Yeah. In but Supernatural. It was just so, like, you don't think that... <laughs> Dean didn't even like flinch mm -hmm. or anything. Like I would have understood if she had made it like an like if she had done it by accident because she didn't know. But like it was still very much like Dean didn't even make a face. Um, he's probably just not used to it. Like he, it's his name. You know, he's he's not gonna like instinctively wince at his name, and he's not used to being on the run from the feds because normally they don't have his name. Like it's only yeah. been a couple weeks for well, him I, being on the run, and it hasn't come up for him yet until fifteen. That's true. So. But it's also like she's saying this to a a, fig a figure in power. Yeah, I think she said it to the mayor. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I don't know. It just feel it just felt very like they forgot, which I guess is kind of <laughs> Buck Lemming's trademark. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say yeah, kind of their thing. Um, I I really like the the Dean and Cassie like reunion how awkward dean is um it's very cute yeah it I is like, very cute i like seeing dean kind of on the back foot yeah yeah, yeah. kind of stripped bare of his like you know his armor's down she knows yeah him. yeah yeah and like he genuinely has really tender feelings for her um and it's like really obvious that he's still kind of like into her um like seeing her he gets like the jacking joyces are just so much <laughs> so um, good it's it's just really good and it really endears mm -hmm. me to dean and i think it really humanizes him yeah because mm -hmm. a lot of the time dean is kind of reduced to this like multi-faced like stereotype character as we've discussed um, who doesn't get yeah who doesn't get a lot of his own like emotional intimacy even with himself mm -hmm. um and so seeing this was very where it was very nice reminder of like yeah Dean is capable of like being a person forming relationships um, outside of his immediate family yeah and he he he's not always going to be the one night stand guy and he's genuinely emotionally vulnerable with this woman and she hurt him and he doesn't know how to deal with that like it's mm -hmm. just really good um there's uh like just to just to to give Sam a bit of love in this episode. I really like Sam mm -hmm. in this episode too yeah. in terms of like it starts out he starts out like delighted in that way like siblings are when they like learn a secret thing about their older sibling and yeah. like get to tease them about it. Uh, Sam he's was very, big little, little yeah, energy. He's very really pleased. Cute. He's very pleased that he can rib Dean about this. But uh -huh. also, like, after that sort of wears off, he becomes genuinely, like, 
he's the one who notices that like they're extremely still into each other. He says, "What's interesting is you guys never really look at each other at the same yeah. time. You look at her when she's not looking. She checks you out when you look away." He then grins and says, "It's just an interesting observation in a you know observationally interesting way, yeah, which is a cute line. Too. Like this episode, the, the writing in this is not great, but that I liked some of the lines in here. That was the- that was cute." The um, intercharacter conversation on like yeah. a dialogue level is really good, um, well, at yeah. least for Supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and like also, I'm sure part of that is like these two are just they they're good with each other. Like the the, the mm-hmm. yeah yeah Sam the Zine, actors cl- had a the really good chemistry. Know. Yeah, yeah, uh, Jared and Jensen, and then also uh, Jensen and um, Michaelin. I can't remember. Yeah, uh, they have very good chemistry. It was. Mm-hmm. This episode could have been a lot worse if they had worse yeah. actors. <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, and then, like, later, um, later Sam is, like, genuinely, like, you should, like, you should go talk to her. Like, is, like, genuinely, like, dude, she's still into you. Like, he figures out, he, like, intuits that Dean was in love with her uh, yeah. and that she's the one who dumped Dean um and is kind of like hey you should go talk to her alone i'm not gonna come with you yeah it is like wingman not exactly wingmanning him but is like giving him a little, a little, little bit yeah giving a little little nudge and it's yeah. very it's very cute and then when they when they see each other the next day sam's like oh you didn't make it back to the motel uh-huh, yeah <laughs> you know hey <laughs> it's very sweet it feels like it feels like Sam is on Dean's side for this, but yeah. he's also like taking the opportunity to just like make fun of him gently for it. Yes, yeah. it's uh, it's nice very very brotherly. Yeah, and even at some points he goes a little bit too far, and it's obvious that Dean is like uncomfortable and doesn't want to like talk about it. But that's because mm-hmm. Dean doesn't like talking about his feelings, yes. so it like it's it all just rings very true to me, especially bet- for these two. Uh, as a sibling dynamic. Um, there's also, like, uh, there's also the thing of, like, Dean also makes Sam very awkward, just making out with his ex in front of him <laughs> multiple times. Yeah, um, it's really there's good. A, there's a line here in that scene where they're, like, where they meet up again, uh, where Sam's, like, Sam smirks and is, like, I'm guessing you guys work things out. And then Dean says this line, and it breaks my heart that Cassie yeah. never shows up again. He says, we'll be working things out when we're 90. That line which makes is me like, cry. It's oh. so sad. It's, like, honestly a deeply romantic thing to say to me. It's so cute. He <laughs> wants to spend the rest of his life with her, and she yeah, never shows up again. It's, it's really sad. Cassie, you were Rob's baby. I'm sorry. Yeah, literally, like, listen, we all know all of my multiple opinions on Dean Winchester's relationship, but honestly, Dean Cassie's supremacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Um. Also, the the because we skip past the uh, when they like finish arguing and they start making out, uh, the music that plays in this scene, oh the music God. choice is so much. It's uh, according to the transcript, it's "Can't Find My Way Home" by Blind Faith, which oh is my God. also Just that, that song name hitting me in the head. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, uh, I I will say the the music. I'm on the Supernatural wiki again. Um, the music is different on Netflix. Um, oh yeah, not again. It's Paradise by Sheriff during the lovemaking scene. Huh. Either way, the for like the Netflix version is really fucking funny because the chorus is like, 
fill me up with your love and shit. Oh my god. It's, it's it's really corny. That's really on the nose. I should go uh-huh. I should go listen to that song and compare and contrast. I like that I got the DVDs and uh you two are watching this on Netflix. It's funny whatever like a musical choice doesn't line up. I've learned yeah, to keep my mouth it's shut. Really... Yeah. Yeah, you fucking better. <laughs> um the the funny music aside, uh, me and Emma were talking about this last night. Oh boy, you were, uh huh. Well, okay, we talked about it a little bit more <laughs> in private, but this the argument followed by the sex scene is just so much. It's very um, CW show. It's very. It like... is, but like, and I think this is the first like actual. This is the first on screen sex scene. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. Which is so much, considering the fact that one, Cassie is a black woman, or a mixed race uh, mm. woman. Um, she's on top, uh-huh. <laughs> which they apparently got a lot of notes about. Yeah, and it's um, incredibly I, tender. I that. According to the wiki, uh, one of the editors explains that for the show, we don't get a lot of the violence. We don't get a lot of notes on for the ep- for this episode. The note I got from the network was the girl can't be on top, which is. Uh, what the, fuck? Uh, the the transcript not the transcript the wiki calls it a strange kind of moral to be adhered to <laughs> yep. you can shoot people uh, but women I have love, to lie on their backs in bed i love when wikis editorialize yeah it's really good um yeah just to to go off of what you were saying there like generally i don't like sex scenes in television shows they make me like uncomfortable usually they're mm-hmm. very awkward this scene i felt was very sweet like like you said yeah. it's very tender me and Emma were talking about it's very much not like a male gazy kind of yeah. sex scene, which I feel like most of them usually are going to be. Yeah. Um, like you can't see a whole lot. The most you see is literally Jensen Ackles' tits. Yes. Um, and that's later when they're in bed to get when they're yeah, like uh, in the morning. And like they're kissing, they're like you know they're changing positions a lot. They're holding each other. Like you don't get like a sexy shot of Cassie's uh-huh. shoulder blades or anything like that. Like there's not even a lot of implication of movement. Sorry, this is getting really graphic. It's, it's um, uh, the point is that it's tastefully shot. Yeah, and it's and it like I hate sex scenes in ninety nine percent of media, but I actually found myself caring about this one which makes me so upset that she doesn't show up again literally because again it's like this is this is shot as like this is an important thing for these two people like they're reconnecting here this mm -hmm. shot has like thematic weight to it yeah instead of just being like here's this hot sex scene it, and then and it, it never gives comes such up such an implication of their relationship. Yeah. Of like yeah, even the argument they have right before that, where she says, "I forgot you do that." Like they have history; they're familiar yeah. with each other. They were good together, and then they broke up because she didn't believe him, and now she does, and they still won't work mm. out, and she just never comes back. Yeah. Like <sighs> and like, I hate arguments that end in sex scenes. Like I think it's one of the worst and most toxic things ever. Uh-huh. Um. But this argument. Like ending in a sex doesn't scene, it... it wasn't. It wasn't like hate sex. It was like yeah. Doesn't it end in an apology? Yeah, yeah. They, both they apologize end in an apology and then they start kissing. Um, like it just it feels less like an uh, oh my god, I'm so mad at you right now. I want to have rough sex so that I can get my frustration out. It's more like this is. Uh, they've cleared the of air relationship and i miss what we were yeah yeah, yeah, yeah a yeah. lot of times a lot of times in scenes like this like the argument is is literally in the process of happening and then they start making out but what happens here mm-hmm. is there's a downbeat 
Dean says, let's not forget who dumped who. Cassie says, I thought it was what you wanted. Dean says, well, it wasn't. Cassie says, I didn't mean to hurt you. Dean says, well, you did. Cassie says, I'm sorry. And Dean says, yeah, me too. And then they they stare at each other and then she kisses him. Yes. Which is like, works. It was such a good scene. Works better for me. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, because this is a CW show, there's going to be a lot of sex scenes in this show, especially during certain arcs. Uh Um, So I think this is going to be something that we will be discussing often is is dissecting like how the sex scenes are shot, how they're framed. Um, just as a general warning going forward, uh-huh. I assume if you are watching Supernatural, you are like at least aware that this is a thing that happens. So, and of course there'll be content warnings. So that mm-hmm. we are going to be discussing these things um, in possibly ways that might make people uncomfortable. I understand that. Uh, so yeah, that's just the thing. Just the thing I wanted to put out there. Oh, just before we move on, like the fact that they got a note from the network that Cassie shouldn't be on top, but then she was on top oh, anyway, yeah. is like the first yeah. narrative yeah. breaking through the censorship example that we are going to talk about as we get to Cassie. Cassie the blueprint. She invented really free will. Cassie the blueprint. <laughs> we should talk about like the post since we're since we're here talking about. Yeah, sexy, yeah, yeah. We I was literally just going to bring the that morning, up. like the, yeah. the conversation in bed. Yeah. How. He says, I guess I couldn't lie to you. Wah! Uh-huh. Especially given, like, how he said in episode two when he says, this is probably the most honest I've ever been with a woman, like, ever. So that's not the truth. Then. Yeah. Like, which is nice and ironic, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says telling Cassie the so truth was a big much. first for him. And see, and that's got double weight to it because, like, telling her the truth about the life, yes, but also probably telling uh-huh. her the truth about his feelings. Also, yeah. also, the scene and that she broke up with him anyway. The scene, well, like, like she says here, heart. she says, like that story. No, I'm not saying she was wrong. Oh yeah, no, no, no. no. I was just gonna know, go into like this conversation <laughs> ghost, because I think it's, it's interesting. Probably a good time to break up. Um, she's like that story scared yeah. the hell out of me. I thought you were nuts, dangerous, even. Maybe I was looking for a reason to walk away. Dean says, in my work, I see some horror things things that can't be explained i deal with them but working things out with you cassie says i'm a scary one all right jokingly well usually things get worked out when you really want them to and dean hesitates and then says you know i'm still really involved with my dad's work she looks at him and says no more excuses okay from you or me dean says okay they start kissing and then sam calls and has to answer the phone and is called away and it breaks my fucking heart we could have had it all. We could have had it all. I mean, I guess, like, on the bright side, if she'd stuck around, the show probably would have fridged her. But, oh, but good point. that's true. It's still, it's still deeply sad to me. Oh my god, should we keep a running chart of love and Pro- I mean, probably. It's only happened twice so far. I mean, far, it's like but... all of them, so it's not hard. <laughs> I will. Like, I'm, I'm thinking so many uh seasons ahead i'm just because i i remember that there was a, a joke in the fandom about sam having a cursed dick <laughs> remember that one Mm-hmm. and like i'm trying not to say I'm specific examples say... yeah yeah me neither <laughs> but you know who gives me the brain rot with him so <sighs> anyway very good scene the dean and cassie content i like i know we're going to talk about dusty l a lot it's going to be like probably a big focus mm-hmm. once we get to that part of the show, but I I think that like Dean's other relationships are some of them are very very important to me in just like 
how much they mean to him and and how good they could yeah. have been. It's surprising me. It's surprising <sighs> to me for such like a. I mean, we've talked about like the the juicy little nuggets where we can start queer coding Dean, but in mm-hmm. general, like this is a very like het lens show, and the fact that it's first mm-hmm. like actual like on screen. I mean, Jess doesn't really count because she she's in the show for like five minutes and she dies um but like besides her the first like actual on-screen like romantic relationship is like surprisingly healthy and tender at least in terms of like the way they work their argument out and everything um that's interesting to me Mm -hmm. and i would hesitate to say that i don't know if it was toxic but i don't think it was healthy you know what i I think it was just one of those very messy yeah messy complicated relationships that you have when you're in college and you're no what i mean for healthy is like they are like genuinely like honest with each other in a way that Mm -hmm. i wouldn't have expected out of like dean or this show yeah it's very much like queering a header well depends i don't want to like put dean in boxes of gay or straight because that's ridiculous but like uh, it's very, like, it's queering, and I use that in the queer theory way of a verb, um, queering the our expectations of a heterosexual relationship that occurs in the show's canon. Um, because it is, because Cassie tops, because it's mm-hmm. surprisingly healthy, because it's surprisingly tender, like, it breaks all of our expectations. Uh, expectations. Yeah. So it's queering, it's queering it in that way. Um, which I think is good and very unintentional. Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> that is, I guess, the one the one compliment we can give this episode is the Dean and Cassie stuff mm-hmm. is is good and also makes me very sad that it it goes nowhere. Mm-hmm. On her wiki page, it says that she's mentioned again in season four, but she's mm. not really like in. She, she's mentioned for plot. Mm. It's more that this episode is referenced again, but I can't say more without right. spoilers. So after that. Um, what's, like, the next thing here? Cassie gets attacked by the yeah. car. Do we have more to talk about Cassie being attacked with the car than the aside we did in my synopsis? I don't even no, have any notes for that scene because it was so ridiculous. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's talk about the conversation with their mom. Or with her mom, I guess. Oh, sorry, I say their mom. Um, she, they, Cassie. Yeah. Uh, no, I did. <laughs> uh, she, they, Cassie, yeah. Um... The first note I have is when she says that after he found after Cyrus found out about her and Martin, he changed. And I just wrote in all caps, what? Now he's <laughs> because a like Yeah, it's just I have really weird complex feelings about like the mom's positioning yeah. in this story uh, in general. I guess we didn't say that like I felt like the way it was framed when she came down the stairs was like you're supposed to be surprised that she's white. Did did oh, you two get that? Know. Like the I it, already like, knew that, so I couldn't be surprised. I don't know. If uh, that's true. That's reaction. true. Yeah, from, like I don't remember. I don't from a first watcher first standpoint. It. Um, it's like I don't know. The brothers like look at her like for a moment, like no one comments on it, but I got that impression. Maybe my impression's like wrong, but I felt like mm-hmm. especially considering this is the. This is mid-2000s, and also it becomes plot important that this is a interracial marriage. Yeah. Um, like, I, the, the thing about, like, he just, he just changed is yeah. so, so much. The thing I was going to say is, like, I guess I, playing devil's advocate, I sort of get it from, like, the person who is dating him, and that way that, like, when you're dating someone, you can have blinders on to, like, who they really are in some ways, or, like, they can hide aspects 
of themselves from you, mm-hmm. but specifically, like, he changed and not, like, he revealed this part of himself to me. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not great. Yeah. I kind of get it, but it's not great. I'm with it you. It kind of felt like when, when, like, you know, like, getting indoctrinated into, like, white supremacy. Like, he could have been, like, uh, he could have been, like, uh, like, a background level, you know, background radiation level racist, and then after this event, he, like, got drawn further yeah, into, like, far right. Off. And that's what she means by change, but it does kind of sound like the writers intended it as he became racist. Um, which, which, yeah. Not great. Like, he was possessed by the spirit of racism <laughs> or something like that. Like, it, the way it's posited as, like, the it's, it's mirrored to discussions around possession. Yeah. So, like, it just feels really weird. But I'm also, like, it, it, I, 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 the same thing Emma was saying, like, how did you not notice that he was a racist beforehand? And if you're dating, I mean, obviously, you know, white people, I know how uh-huh. we can be. Um, and how uh, being with a person of color does not make you not racist. Uh-huh. Um, but it also just seems like, how would you, how could you, like, justify to yourself, maybe this is my own, like, feelings but like if you're dating a person of color how could you justify to yourself also dating somebody who is like has got to be at least in some ways pretty racist even if you are racist yourself as a product of that like society like it just feels like dating martin would have made her more aware but that's also like a really liberal not liberal like a really generous reading of her her whole Um, thing like her, she excuses herself of like we were all very young is like the reason why mm-hmm. I was, I, like the she says I did it Cyrus while I was also seeing Martin, which gives like Cyrus gets first. Cyrus is the person she's dating in the open. She was cheating on Cyrus with Martin. That's not I'm not like condemning mm-hmm. her for that really because Cyrus is a piece of shit. Um, uh, but also mm-hmm. like it is a it is still a shitty thing to do at least to like for Martin's sake. She should have broke it off with him, yeah. like, before that, um, but... Yeah. Okay. Um, it also seems like when she says he changed, she means that he became violent where he wasn't before. So, like, mm-hmm. the level of racism ramped up, but also, like, uh, she says yeah. people violent of color started her, disappearing maybe. into some kind of truck that nothing was ever done. Um, I, she uses the phrase uh, people of color, which was interesting to me. I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Neither was I, yeah. Uh, um... I, the timeline on this is weird in that it was, I guess that started happening after, um, she broke it off with Cyrus, but I thought that it had been happening like previously on the down low. Um, I guess that's Mm, not the case though. Like when I heard it the first time, like it's, it's confusing in a way that makes sense because people's stories about their lives are often confusing and muddled and don't have a clear chronology. Like that doesn't really bother me, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, my next note is about uh-huh. the church fire. Um, something that kind of made me a little bit insane is she says someone, someone said fire to the church, but then the flashback shows multiple shadows. Hmm. That's true. Yeah. So I feel like that kind of implies that there was a whole, like, almost yeah, lynch Cyrus mob. Yeah, Cyrus and his racist uh, buddies. Yeah. Cyrus and the... These people who are the, not ghosts and therefore other, got away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, like, she obviously would have no idea, but... Yeah, it's weird, that, like, I whose think that makes perspective the flashback is this more... flashback from? 
Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like an omniscient yeah, perspective, I so I think that makes it like reliable. I don't know how I feel um, about that. Yeah, it's a little bit weird, but I also like noticed that, and I thought it was really yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about this, uh, and obviously we are not the people to uh, have the final say on whether or not this is a good uh, dis- like a good description of like racism and racist mm-hmm. violence. Um, but I think, like, the fact that it is all done because of a white man's obsession with a white yeah. woman. There's, yeah. it, like, on the there's one hand, it's, like, there. this interesting, yeah, on the one hand, it's this interesting commentary on, like, the idea of black men preying on white yeah. women and how that was very often not the case, but used as justification for racist violence. But also, like, it still centers this conflict around white yeah. people rather than around the actual victims. So it's it's very weird. Yeah, it doesn't talk like the none of the other people who got killed that like the fisherman talks about like earlier are mentioned. Like yeah, they are like, they are like side they are a side event to this of the people disappearing into some kind of truck. Mhm. The the focus is on Cyrus, which makes sense because he's essentially the villain, yeah. but also like the the conflict doesn't really like talk about the racial trauma uh like that it's in that's inherent with this and then being dredged up again by this new round of killings like once again it's very just much just like a clumsily handled attempt at addressing race in a show by two white writers who are not very good at writing yeah like again like if this was written in a way that i could try to like draw like good meanings out of it then the fact that it's centered around like the the um, romantic prospects of a white woman would like point towards some kind of intersectional approach where like this white man is leveraging you know masculinity and race over like trying to get her as his own but that's not like i can't trust this show to be trying to say that yeah mm-hmm. especially not in 2006 not in 2006 Any kind and not of, by like, Buck really Lightning. good stuff. Like, there's yeah. stuff Any to unpack really here, but I can't say that the show, the show was trying to do it. Unintentional. Yeah. yeah. Also, I guess I should say, maybe I'm being unfair to 2006. The Wire started airing in 2002. Like, people were doing that work, but, like, you know, this is, this, is a, this is a CW show. Yeah. Yeah. Very much painting with broad strokes the early 2000s. Yeah. Early 2000s, like, popular, like, TV, like, uh, like, junk food TV. Yeah. An extremely white show. I don't know who wrote The Wire, but this is, like, yeah. completely created. I, I've said by Jewish people, but also by white people, um, and white Jewish people, and, uh, you can, you can tell. Yeah. Um, and I think it will be really interesting to kind of analyze the the way Supernatural adapts to the geopolitical landscape of America as it continues. Especially given, like, when it discusses things like people of color or queer people um, or things yeah, like that. Yeah, they start actually like, showing up as really characters even if they immediately that... die. Yeah. Yeah. It will be really interesting to see to watch it how evolve. that maps. Because this is yeah. a 15 season show, it ran for 15 years and things changed in that time. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Lots. Of, like, it's so weird that, like, in season one, we get references to uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell. But then by the time the show has ended, gay marriage has been legalized yeah. in America for several years. Like, I just, like, I think 
transplanting like using this show as like a, a filter through which we can see the way America politics change mm -hmm. will be really interesting. Mm -hmm. Could probably write a whole paper I'm on sure it. I'm sure they exist. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I guess like I said, I said his friends in my synopsis earlier, specifically it was Clayton and Jimmy, the other two people who were killed by this truck who uh, helped them mm -hmm. uh, push the truck into the water. Yeah. So the truck has gotten its yeah, revenge. Yeah, the truck has gotten it. By the end of this episode, the truck has gotten its revenge on every person who was involved in the situation, including the mayor. Except for except yes. for uh, Mrs. Robinson, except for the mom. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still stuck on the line, why didn't you call the cops? Which I would have expected Sam to say, yep. but I oh, guess yeah, Sam yeah, is yeah, a yeah. side character in this yeah. episode. Let's definitely talk about that. <laughs> Very well, the yeah, I mean, we we already like complained about it in the synopsis, but specifically the thing of Mrs. Robinson saying that was forty years ago, or like it was forty years ago, and like looking at Dean like he's an idiot, but also she's also the one who's got egg on her face because that doesn't matter. It's the cops. It's this would also be a thing you shouldn't do now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh. The reason Dean asked that question is specifically to address the immediate audience reaction, which would be a very white reaction because yeah. it's a primarily white audience. Like, if I were old enough to be watching Supernatural when this, when this episode came out, that would probably be my first question. I can imagine my dad or my brothers asking that question of the TV. Yeah. So I think it was probably purposely put in Dean's like the audience in spokesperson to, in this yeah. moment yeah in order yeah, to and acknowledge I, like i recognize that, like, that's not an why option. they put the line in there i just think it would yeah. have made more sense it's characterization still... wise to come from sam and this is not me dunking on sam this is like we've seen that sam yeah. respects yeah, cops yeah, yeah, and yeah. dean doesn't so why did they make dean say it bad writing yeah um and also like the the fact that she posits it in the past yeah. um despite there's no cop presence in this episode, which I think is really interesting. Well, except for um, the mayor, who is ex-cop. Except for the mayor, but there's no, like, actual yeah, cops. Yes. Um, they don't talk to the cops. They're not interrogated by the cops. The cops aren't involved yeah. in this at all. Um, which I think is probably good, because it probably would have ended up really bad if they uh -huh. had been. Um, but positing it in the past as something that, like, oh, it's okay to call the cops as a black person now. Um, obviously, this was occurring before the... I don't know if it's a new wave or like a new mediaization of it, but uh, bringing police brutality and uh, police killings of unarmed black men um, more into the limelight where it could be criticized. So this episode yeah. obviously came out before mm. all of that. So stuff. people knew. So, OK, I've been watching. I've, I've mentioned this last time I've been watching the great. I've been watching Skip Intro's cut like history of copaganda series. I, I recently oh, caught yeah, up yeah, yeah. to it. Um, and at the same time, Supernatural is airing. The Wire is airing and uh, The Shield is airing, which are both. The Shield is not is is I don't think a very good show. Uh, but it was also like it and the wire were both trying to do the thing of like showing the inherent corruption of the police um, and the way in which like uh, the, the like stuff about the blue wall of silence, the way like the horrible things they did often were covered up. Um, the thing is, is like the I, I won't go off on a big tangent about this, but there was like. There was also the framing of it as, like, sometimes this is what you need to do, especially from the shield, which is, like, very gross. Uh, the point is, is, like, 
it was it was a thing in the public consciousness that like there were bad apples in the police like they did some Mm -hmm. messed up shit like police brutality especially against like black people was a thing that was being talked about but not talked about in like the the not talked about in the same way we talk about it now where like Mm -hmm. pretty much everyone on the left is agreed that uh a cab (laughs) yeah yes Thank you for that context. You're welcome. Because like I said, I was yeah. seven. I mean, so was I, but... All I cared about was reading Geronimo Stilton. <laughs> well, you're the research guy. I mean, this is, just, this is just me. This is just the things I'm interested in. Yeah, so on you're the note so of propaganda, uh, we mentioned the line about how Mayor Todd was a good man. Yeah. But uh, oh, yeah. we didn't really yes. get into that. The idea that he did nothing while people of color were literally being, like, kidnapped yes. and murdered. Uh-huh. And that doesn't have any bearing on his moral standing. But the fact that he didn't persecute Martin and his friends makes him a good man and not a racist is 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 a hell of a thing to claim. Yeah, I think the implication there is that he would have if the the system had allowed. So like he he couldn't have no matter how much he wanted to, he couldn't have brought Cyrus in, which if he was like the chief of police, I don't really I don't know. He probably could have done something. Um but then he was using, uh, you know, loopholes and lack of police accountability to the benefit of Martin and the others. Um, so I think the implication there is that he would have done better if he could have, but he did what he could, which, which is, is the still... same very subtle. Yeah. He did and, what he could. Is, yeah, he did nothing sucks. because he, he also knew what Cyrus had done. Yep. Like he knew yeah. both sides and he did yeah. nothing about it. And that makes him he good. is. Textually. He is a. I would say he is neutral in all of this, at the very least, in terms of uh-huh. like he does. Yeah, he does nothing. He doesn't. He helps by not doing anything, but also he wasn't. He was very specifically investigating Cyrus's disappearance, not the disappearance of the people of color that Cyrus has apparent has apparent ha, mm, has apparently killed up until this point. Which, like, yeah. I mean, it implies um, that he knew about that because it says like he also knew what Cyrus had done to those people. And so does not pursue it, but like he he knew presumably while he was investigating Cyrus's disappearance as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like Mrs. Robinson is the one who says he's a good man, which is an understandable thing for her to say based on who she is. Mm-hmm. But also like the show also wants you to think that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with um, him having been one of the victims of this truck. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We we want. We are told to believe that the mayor is, in fact, not yeah. a racist um, and that he did good things. Uh, no. They just happened to use a white woman's mouth yes. to say it, which makes it a little bit more believable. But it's also what the show is saying, which is not yeah. as good. He, uh, if that makes any sense Like at you all. said earlier, he's the show. He's the episode's red herring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, that's all I have for this conversation. Yeah. We can move on. Okay, good, good conversation. Um, when Dean and Cassie are, are kissing out by the Impala after Dean tells her not to leave the house, when Sam clears his throat and Dean holds up like a finger, yeah. the cutest thing ever. I love him. Yeah. Um, I firmly believe he was flipping it was Sam so... off. It's just Ghostfacer effects, which we will definitely talk about when it comes up. But uh, <laughs> the show was censoring him. He tried to flip Sam the bird, but he's just holding up a finger. It's fine. It's so cute. It's so shitty. He's such an asshole, and it's I love great. him. It's so sweet. Um, and then I I like how they 
like this obviously could have this episode could have been a lot worse. Let's just yeah. say that. It I was been a oh, lot worse. I just remember the thing I was going to say earlier, which like I guess oh, yeah. in defense of these writers, they're bad at writing about broad themes and plot in general. They're all right at doing mm-hmm. like relationship drama, conversational like dialogue mm-hmm. stuff. Very much like a Stephen Moffat type thing yeah. where it's like they've got like this one little nugget yeah. that they're good at, but everything else fucking A lot sucks. I guess like <laughs> as like as a writer, there are I feel like it is it is very easy to and I'm like I'm not fucking defending these people. This episode's bad, but I guess I just want to say like mm-hmm. a lot of the time you can sort of gloss over an entire thing as like bad writing. But most people who write for a living, at the very least, have a few things they're good at, even if they are yeah. in in most case at most things bad. Yeah. So like yes. this is this is the thing that they are good at. I do like how I think it like in the worst timeline. Um, this episode made excuses for Cyrus or um, said that Cyrus got possessed and that's why he ended up being evil. No, they, and this and the next episode uh, kind of address the idea of like, some people are evil because they are horrible people and they decide to do horrible things to others because they have the power Mm to. um, And that makes them Well, the next two episodes. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah, that's If we get to 15. Mm. I got... I got shit to say about episode 15. Which you might need to wait till next said. week, depending. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I was a little bit worried, because I didn't have very good memory of this episode uh, as I rewatched it. I was a little bit worried that they would try to make excuses. Um, but the fact that Dean says a guy so evil e- it even infected his mm-hmm. truck, essentially, like, I like that they call him evil specifically he is just some guy who was a terrible terrible yeah. person he fucking burnt a church down uh, full of kids yeah. it's yeah it's so much it's very over the top which, which setting fire to churches as an act of racist violence is very yeah. old oh yeah yeah absolutely it's something that still happens um but like i like how the episode like doesn't try and justify what he did at all yeah. Like, the closest they get is, like, he got jealous yeah. that his girlfriend was dating a black dude. Which is still, like, not even really justifying no. it. It just makes him look like even more of an asshole. So I was I was happy it's for that. It's like the catalyst. Least. This episode is bad, but at least they call him yeah. evil. <laughs> and then, like, there's the car chase. They they defeat him with the hallowed mm-hmm. ground, which they never do again. We talked about that. I like the car chase a lot. The, the fake-out break slide yeah. turn yeah the fucking does so cool. fast and the furious drift he does yeah it's great it's really good i like how sam hangs up on the uh, in the middle of the car chase i was like dude <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> you're supposed to be helping yeah. him and you just hung up to continue helping him call, it was pretty call, funny from dean's he had to call cassie right yeah he was going He's to in a hurry so it makes was. sense but but yeah it is funny <laughs> I also love, like, looking at this from a 2021 perspective, they're looking at maps. They're using Oh, yeah. Uh It's It's adorable. Um, Like, I'm just thinking about, like, how differently this episode could have gone if it had been I mean, they could have done... In this year. They could actually have still done it because often these, like, small towns and, like, back roads and stuff are poorly... Well, might not have reception or also poorly mapped out. Uh, Google Maps ain't Mm -hmm. perfect. Um... Yeah. And so, like, th- there could be drama of, like, following the GPS, but actually, like, this road doesn't exist, or, like, this isn't on the map, mm-hmm. so we have to get out the old maps and navigate that way. They could still do it. That's a yeah. tangent, though. Yeah, well, and that's what I mean, is, like, I, I, I am 
entertaining myself by yeah yeah for it. sure what are the different ways this episode no, we just wrote a modern au for a contemporary uh, show. <laughs> <laughs> it ran that long literally um I don't like the bit about hallowed ground. I mm-hmm. when my first thought was that it was the same thing that happened to uh, Candace in the first episode of like he had to face what he had done because I don't know it's weird the the race of the children in the church is left ambiguous. Um, so whether or not Cyrus felt guilty about it is also ambiguous. Um, but by the way, Ash. Uh, mm-hmm. Ash, you said Candace again. We never addressed this, but uh, the entire <laughs> yeah, time for episode one, Ash was calling Constance Welch Candace. God damn it! <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> it's okay. It's it barely matters, but it is funny. We should address that does, on the radio yeah. because I didn't it's... get a chance to like actually edit in something explaining that. I was for episode one. I was editing it, and I went, "What the fuck?" <laughs> so yeah. So if you're um... if you're what is this episode five? If you're still here I've and for- lost, I've forgotten already. For yes, this is episode five. If you've gotten episode five, if you're still with us. You got, you have some episode one knowledge now. There's some closure. Yeah, some closure. Uh, the ghost is dispelled. I I think it would have been much cooler if it had been like kind of even if it wasn't like Cyrus facing his own like crimes or whatever, like. Even if it had been, like, coming to the end of his journey or whatever. Like, he I don't know. He could have done something that didn't rely Maybe on Christianity, had... is the point. Yeah. No. Like, the thing about the hallowed ground. Like, I understand, I understand that as, having, as being, like, a, a thing of just, um, like, it's just part of the, it's the same thing with the Latin the exorcism. uh, ex- exorcisms, things, things like that. This hierarchy of what is considered true. Um, but... Also, it's just boring. Yeah. Is yeah. like mainly. I. Like, it could have been more if interesting. If I had canon it into like him, like these kids are involved with the fact that like he gets taken out because of the crime that has been committed here, like that makes it work mm-hmm. for me, but that's not textual. That's just subtext. Yeah. yeah. At the, exactly. at the, at most. It's not even subtext. It's like, mm-hmm. I found this buried in the set text that they didn't put in there by mistake. <laughs> wow, that is not a sentence. I don't know. It's what I assumed when I was, like, subtext is what you read out of it, right? That That is, like, what I assumed when I was watching it. So that is a, that is a valid reading someone could have, even if it's not said out loud. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is a true thing that, like, this is where, the, it could have been another church, I guess, is the thing. Like, this is where no, he did this horrible so. I thing. I think they do say that it is the same church. No, no, no. What I mean is they could have written it to be another church. Oh, it was intentional right. that they tied it into this was the church that he burned down and where he killed those children. Which, like, works for me at the very least thematically, even if it is, like, you know, whatever, everything that you two said. Yeah. I only have a couple notes left on this episode. I like how after they burned the yeah, body, same. they're like, it had no effect. Sure it did. Now it's really pissed. I think that's cute. Yeah. Yeah, it was adorable. Um, I also like how Sam has uh, this little bit about how he misses like normal conversations that don't start with killer truck. And, uh-huh, yeah, I, uh huh. Yeah, I misses that up. he misses writing papers. Very... My darling little nerd boy. About uh-huh. uh, I wrote it down. Polycentric cultural yeah. norms. Mm-hmm. It was very cute. Um, I also really like on the phone when Sam goes. I mean, it honestly hadn't even occurred to me. Like I read that as just shameless sarcasm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know um, what to make of that line. It's very weird because it's like a life and death situation, but also I like Sam being an asshole baby brother. Yeah. So it's very weird. 
It doesn't make any sense, but also I like Sammy. It, it so felt very, like, not necessarily out of character, but it felt like an excuse for why we had this stupid situation in order to cause dramatic tension. Is, yeah, yeah. It's not great. It's bad writing, but <laughs> it's, it's a kind line. of funny, but in a, in a way that bad writing often yeah. is funny. Um, and then I definitely, I want to talk about Cassie and Dean's goodbye. Yep. It's making me insane. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> so, uh, when they, when they talk about like, oh, you know, maybe we'll see each other again. She goes, I'm a realist. Dean goes, I've seen stranger things happen. And then she says, goodbye, Dean. He says, I'll see you. <sighs> I will. I... And then he didn't. And then he, and then... well, it's literally Dean is, this is the closest Dean can possibly come to saying, please don't go. Like, I don't want to go. I love you. Yep. Like, this is still so important to me. Like, it's just... Yep. <sighs> Ow, my back. And this, like... <laughs> this makes me sad, but also it makes me angry. Like, I, yes. I haven't... I don't think I've talked on the podcast. I fucking love tragedy. Tragedy's great. I love when stories make me sad. Hurt me stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm -hmm, but like, mm -hmm. I like it when it, that's what they're obviously doing where the tragedy here is, is uh, like the season one thing of like, they're throwing spaghetti at the wall. And I guess even though this one IMO should have stuck, uh, it did not, this is never addressed again. And that just makes me angry because the tragedy there is unintentional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Which, of course, they can't bring Cassie back because then they wouldn't have a show. Because they're not allowed to give <clears throat> Dean and Sam committed romantic relationships because then what keeps them in the hunting life or whatever. And then when, while they're driving away, Sam is driving so that Dean can have an excuse mm -hmm. to not be stalking because mm -hmm. he's going to sleep. Uh -huh. And Sam says, you meet someone like her, doesn't it make you wonder if it's worth it putting everything else on hold doing what we do? And Dean does not answer. He says, Dean says you nothing, like I said. According yep. to the transcript, but I don't know if he says that, because I don't remember. He it. does say that. Okay, well, he doesn't answer the question yep. at all. Mm-hmm. He's literally like, I pretend I do not uh -huh. see it. I'm going to go to sleep. literally away. pretending I do not see it. I am putting on these sunglasses. These sunglasses are great, by the way. Dean looks he very looks so silly. They're the ugliest sunglasses I have ever seen. <sighs> He's so cute. Fucking Matrix-ass 90s shit. They are so fucking ugly. I love them. It's so good. You should wear them more often. Um, really good moment of Dean, like, not actually being that cool, but acting uh -huh. like he is. Love it when Dean really puts good. on his silly little outfit. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love it when Dean's a dork. It's just, it makes me want to marry him. And that's the episode. That's the it's episode. That's about one episode for two hours. Well, the first, the first oh like, 20 minutes of this, we're setting it up. But yeah, we're not talking about episode 15 and we'll, today. And we'll cut out some of it. But yeah, we have been here for two hours. Episode 14, Nightmare, starts with a car pulling into a garage. We have a close-up on the license plate so you know that we're in Michigan. The car then locks itself, and I don't know what, like, the technical car terms. We've discussed how none of us know anything about cars, but, like, the exhaust gas builds up inside, which is, like, 
I don't know if that happens in modern cars, but you certainly were not supposed to do it in 2006. And so this man dies. And then Flash, it was all Sam's Um, dream. Yeah. Just need to say real quick, CO2 poisoning takes a lot longer to kill someone than it took to kill this guy, I'm pretty sure. Just wanted to throw that in for the record. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it's just a really bad car. Super strong carbon dioxide. So uh, Sam wakes up from this dream and... You know, he's had this vision just like he had in 1-9 Home and like he had before Just died. And so he convinces Dean to go check it out in Michigan. He calls the cops on the way and they get the license plate and address or whatever. They get the information. And Sam, Dean tells him that it's just a nightmare. And Sam goes like, drive faster with like this really serious expression that is extremely cute. Uh, the neighbor claims that it was a suicide and uh, uses the phrase, you never know what's going on behind closed doors which is going to be kind of important for the rest of the episode. And so they've arrived too late to help this guy. He's already dead. Dean's kind of worried about Sam. The boys disguise themselves as priests in order to go inside and interrogate the survivor, the surviving family. The wife says that the, the victim, this dead guy, uh, was happy, and the son, Max, is the one who found him in the garage. So Dean takes on uh, interrogating this wife, and Sam goes to talk to Max. Um, Dean gets out of her that there's no suspicious activity that we know is code for spirits. There's no, like, flashing lights or, you know, weird smells, any of the things they usually look into. There's nothing supernatural happening in the house. Um, Dean explores upstairs with some kind of silly gadget he calls, I think, an infrared thermal scanner. It looks extremely silly. It uses laser beams. It's really cute. I love it. It's incredible. I love it so much. We've got Dean with his dorky little tech that is supposed to look so cool, and I don't know if it looked cool then. It certainly doesn't now. It's adorable. It's so dumb. I don't know how those lasers are so visible without, like, tons of mist in the room, but it sure does have lasers in it. And so they come to the conclusion that there's nothing suspicious about this house. And uh, Sam has a headache, like a really strong migraine out of nowhere, and that means he's having another vision, which is the first time he's had one while he's awake. And he sees that the uncle, Max's uncle, the current dead guy's brother, is about to get decapitated by the window. It's a horrible scene. I did not watch. Like, I hid behind my book because I knew what was coming. It's great. Uh, I loved it. It's really awful, but one of you is going to have to talk about the cinematography because I was not looking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Sam's worried about how his his visions are now happening while he's awake and it's hurting him. And uh, Dean's like, we see all kinds of weird things going on. And Sam says, it's never been us. Uh, This is the first time that, like, the supernatural is directly affecting them and not, like, killing their family members and loved ones. Uh, And uh, gets Dean to say with an extremely flat face, this doesn't freak me out. And he is clearly lying. It's very cute. Um, Roger, the uncle, ignores them as they try to warn him. And so they are again too late. The window cuts his head off. It's really gross. There's no signs of the supernatural at the house. Uh, Sam says that he saw a dark shape stalking Roger. And so they think if it's not the house, then maybe it's the family, maybe they're cursed. Sam says their family is also cursed, and Dean's like, no, we're not. Um, Sam and Dean talk to Max again, and they find out that the, uh, Max and his dad and stepmother used to live next door to the uncle, and Max insists that they were normal and happy, and the boys don't really believe him. Uh, so they go check out the old house and talk to a neighbor who says that the dad and uncle were abusive, and the stepmother did nothing. And Sam has another vision uh, of Max angry at the stepmother, and he levitates a knife and kills her with it, uh, which is also really bad to look at. (laughs) I just don't do well with gore, apparently. Um, 
Sam realizes that he and Max are similar. They have this, uh, you know, skill set, apparently, that is the connection of why Sam keeps having these visions of him and his family members. And Dean is... Horrible airplane noise. Anyway, Dean is defensive about Sam's claim to be similar or the same, and Sam says you can't kill Max, but Dean takes the gun with him anyway. And so the scene of Sam's vision starts with Max talking to the stepmother, but they get there in time, and Sam asks to talk to Max in private. Uh, Max sees Dean's gun and, you know, locks the house down and takes the gun, and so Sam convinces him by telling him about his visions uh, to go talk alone. And so Dean and the stepmother, who is semi-conscious from getting thrown against the wall, upstairs and Max reveals that the abuse was ongoing. It wasn't just when he was a child. This was, he says, try last week. Uh, he considers his telekinesis a gift. He says he was no longer helpless. And Sam says, why didn't you just leave? Which is what Sam did, and we'll talk about that. Um, but Max says they'd still be out there, and so it's, a, it's not about leaving, it's about not being afraid, and he would always be afraid. So by killing them, he is supposed to be uh, freeing himself of that fear. And Max says that his dad blames him for his mom's death because she burns up on the ceiling of his nursery. And Sam's like, oh my god, what the fuck? That's what happened to me. No way. Uh, and Sam says, you and I were chosen. And Max says, for what? And Sam doesn't know. Uh, Sam also tells him that the nightmares won't end like this. And it makes you as bad as them, which is a loaded phrase we are going to unpack. Uh, he says he's not by himself. But Max uh, kind of shoves Sam into a closet with like a huge dresser or something in front of it. And he goes upstairs, he throws Dean against the wall, and floats the gun at Dean, and then at the stepmother, and Dean says, if you want to kill her, you got to go through me, and so Max shoots Dean. But then it turns out it was all Sam's vision. <sighs> Again, Sam is having lots of visions today. This is like his fourth one in a few hours. And uh, because, you know, fueled by this urge to save Dean, Sam telekinetically busts out of the closet. This is his first instance of doing superpowers other than his psychic visions. He manages to move the dresser with a burst of either speed or telekinesis, and uh, he gets upstairs in time to stop Max from shooting Dean, and they have a conversation that we'll talk about, and then Max instead spins the gun midair and shoots himself. Um, and then the stepmother tells the nameless cop who is black about, you know, what happened in an extremely censored version, and Sam blames himself. They talk about John, and Sam suggests that the demon was after the kids, and uh, tells Dean about moving the dresser, and Dean says, with him around, nothing's gonna happen to Sam, and they joke about going to Vegas to take advantage of his psychic powers, and then they drive off. So this episode was what also an episode a lot. this was. Uh-huh. Yeah, we, <laughs> we've decided at this point, yeah, there's no way we're, I mean, you know this, if you're listening to the episode, we're not talking about episode 15 this week, much to my personal <laughs> chagrin, but it's fine. Unless you want, like, a fucking four-hour <laughs> podcast, which I'm sure none of you do. Uh, okay. I don't know. Did, should we start again from the beginning? Do we want, like, generalized impressions of this episode? Because a lot of a lot of the stuff I have to say about this episode is at the end. Yeah, I think we could go chronologically. I have notes in order. Okay. My pen started dying, apparently, because my yeah. handwriting is terrible. But <laughs> I do have notes. Uh, my first note is that Sleepy Dean is extremely cute when Dean, Sam wakes him up because of his yes, vision. It's so true. Dean's yeah, but cute. I have just little Sleepy Dean heart in my notes, so <laughs> shout out to Sleepy Dean. Uh, Sam, in his priest costume, brushed his hair differently. Oh, I didn't notice that. 
Wyatt, I thought you were the one who mm-hmm. paid attention he to Sam. He brushed it back. It was he really has cute. like an extremely styled hairstyle for his priest outfit. I'm now, I'm now looking at the clip. I do really. I, it's very funny to me that they. Uh, oh yeah, no wait, no, I did notice this. I just like Didn't forgot. I guess yeah, he sweeps his hair back. Um, yeah, that them dressing up as uh, priests is very funny. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's funny to me. Like yeah. where did they? I guess like you can buy vestments but it is they're like frequent producement of that's not a word the way they frequently produce costumes is is very funny to me yeah i like how dean is the one who keeps giving like the -the over-the-top priest speeches about like you know pitching god to these mourners like he he's the one who's kind of leaning into the whole we're dressed up as priest thing and sam is uncomfortable mm-hmm. with that i think that's Especially like it's, it's, at first faith, it's weird it's that funny. like dean is the one to say it but then it was like oh because he's kind of making fun of it in like a really underhanded way yeah. and that's why sam's uncomfortable with it sam was like we should respect priests it's weird that we're dressing up as priests we shouldn't be like yeah. you know preaching as fake priests but dean is you know all all in he's leaning into it that makes sam like fixing his hair up even funnier to me now of like if i'm gonna do this i need to i need to look good i need to be classy he needs to respect the clergy when they first talk to max sam says i know it's hard sorry i know it's rough losing a parent especially when you don't have all the answers so we get a immediately a direct link of sam to max as mirrors sam doesn't have all the answers about how his mother died and now Max's father died in supposedly mysterious way, and so he's drawing on that sympathy, um, but also, you know, setting up a more sinister parallel between them. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't gotten to this yet, um, but I just want to bring it up now because I have it here. Um, the I have not had a lot of time this week to like do deep dives into research, but when they talk about uh, families being cursed and like vengeful spirits, which happens like. Uh, later like up in like act two early act two um sam does the thing that they do where they they mention a couple of ex- examples and he says banshees and angyaks i think is no he says it more like a n g i a k is how you spell it now if you look this up the only the old, so this is an Inuit thing, apparently. However, I don't trust any of these Google results uh, because most of them are using uh, the word that you shouldn't use for Inuit, which is a slur. Um, it's I I don't know. I can do like some more like last minute research in the background here, but like I I don't know how much this is just like white people talking about uh, like I- exoticizing uh like native american like creatures uh in like myth and stuff we've talked about this multiple times before uh i just wanted to bring up that that's a thing referenced and uh information about it is spotty good yeah i like when i'm watching something and i'm like oh i can't wait to hear why i talk about this because i don't know anything about it (laughs) like they do their little reference other things other cases and I'm like, hey, this is going to be so good on the podcast. The source that the Supernatural Wiki uses is a book called The Encyclopedia of Vampire Mythology by Teresa Bain, which I don't trust as a source for this creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess if you have uh, experience uh, with the creature that they reference in this episode, let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Um, love the way you phrase that. If you've met a ghost... 
I just mean like personal like experience with the yeah. mythology. You're that you, you know you're more uh, reliable than the Google. Role. But I mean, yeah. hey, if you have met a ghost, let us know about that too. Yeah, that would be cool. The the I guess like real quick, big square quote of a square mm, big scare quotes around all of this because again, I can't find any actual good sources. But the wiki says the wiki's description of this thing is it is a the vengeful spirit of a uh dead child who like died out in the snow and it would that like specifically its family uh the child's family could not care for them uh and this would create a quote unquote vampiric revenant uh that would like haunt the family um yeah i don't i don't know whether this is a real thing or not it has to have co- have come from somewhere i guess Mm-hmm. Okay, I do kind of like that as paralleling off of Max. Yeah. Like the if family, it's... the family failing, not taking care of him, and also the stepmother failing to protect him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, hi, Skipper. Okay, small notes. I like how Dean has a cute little moment of like cleaning his guns. He's taking care of his equipment. It gives him like something to do during the scene mm-hmm. of in the motel rather than just sitting on the bed and talking to Sam. He's like engaged in the process of like being a hunter i like that uh, and they also have a cute little research wall set up to have all their like little newspaper printouts and stuff uh, which is uh is reminiscent of when they found john's hotel room back in i do not know was the it the pilot, pilot thing thank you it's um, the pilot back in the pilot mm-hmm. so we see john sets up this research wall the same way that they do they've learned it from him i think that's that's a nice little nod mm-hmm. but i mean setting up a research wall is not unique to john winchester like cop shows do it so it's just it looks nice yeah for sure i i always like a research wall yes um this is one of the the you times that they actually like acknowledge that they're leaving evidence yes kind of yeah he said to wipe his yeah, fingerprints i, I was down. so happy <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. also the line our family's not cursed drives me insane chewing oh, yeah. at the bars it's like mm, are you though <laughs> Uh, there's a cute bit where S- Dean kind of hides his concern for Sam as concern for the car, where he's like, if you're going to puke, we'll pull over so that, you know, to protect the upholstery. Yeah. We're like, uh-huh. he's he's looking out for Sam. He's taking care of him. He's making sure he's okay. But like, he's not going to say, are you okay? He's like, come on, don't puke in my car. He is he is clearly mm-hmm. worried about Sam. This. Yeah, I marked that down. Yeah, Dean is very concerned about Sam. He's, I, I would go so far as to say he is panicked. Um, he's just, like, low-key panicking at all times about it, but he is not, mm-hmm. like, showing it. Uh, we get Dean eating again at this, at this wake, I guess, uh, yeah. or, like, post-funeral situation yeah. where he's, like, there are multiple times. The bit where, like, he's gonna go, um, talk to, oh, no, I think he's gonna go to the washroom. That's when he goes to, like, do the yeah. scanny thing, but, like, before he gets up, he, like, takes one of the little, like, hot dog, uh, thingies. Frank's um, little mini wieners and like grins at uh at the mom who's like thanks for the food and it's cute so like again it's played for comedy we've discussed this the first time we brought this up but, yeah like, it's played for comedy as like ha huh, even when zine is supposed to be in like this dignified role he's like coming to comfort these mourners as a priest and he still can't stop himself from stealing all of their you know snacks but um as we've discussed there's sadder character reasons for that um, I was watching ahead, and a few episodes from now it gets addressed, and it makes me very sad. 
Oh, is that mm-hmm. something wicked? So in, in like mm-hmm. a week or two. I can't wait to talk about that episode. I I was kind of... Everyone say hi to Skipper. Hi, hi Skipper. Skipper. <laughs> Maybe this is because I psychoanalyze people as a habit <laughs> just because of autism and because I've spent a lot of time around children and because I uh, know how traumatized people act. But it seemed kind of strange to me that they did not see that Max was acting weird until, like, later. It's understandable to me because his dad just died. Like, people people react in various ways when they're mourning. And, like, I can understand them not noticing something being off here because of that. And it is the next yeah. time they talk to him that they're like, okay, something's up here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna forgive that. Yeah. Well, I just think that like seeing as Sam and Dean are abuse victims themselves. Sure, but they don't think they're that. That's us. That's, That's true. us being like, yes, they clearly are. But as we can discuss at the end of this episode, they do not think that. So yeah. it makes oh, we are definitely particular get to that conversation. it makes particular sense that they have blinders on in that regard. That's true. Yeah. Fair enough. Max has a great line where he says, uh, nothing says I'm sorry like a tuna casserole as they're like yeah, standing it's at great. the table filled with people's offerings. It's so, um, it's so suburbia. I, I wrote that down. Uh, before that, by the way, speaking of like their, their conspiracy board, the like weird lodge they're staying in in this episode is so much. Yeah. There's like a fish on the wall. There's like a It's moose, like a very different tone head. than their usual motel. It's, and I was like, why? And like, then I remember where, they're, wh- they're in like Texas or something. Yeah. So. Um... And uh, the 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 like Dean just having all his weapons out and like cleaning them and maintaining them is also a, a good scene. He has so many weapons. I wish I don't think it ever happens, but I feel like in this show we should have gotten a, a, one of those scenes where Dean has to take all of his weapons off, but he just keeps pulling more <laughs> and more weapons out of less and less like possible places. I think we were robbed. Yeah, so I like that shot. Um... You uh you mentioned them um you mentioned like the tuna casserole line uh which is very is like another bit of Americana next to like the apple pie mm-hmm. stuff tuna casseroles classic like suburban like people coming over to your house food to make I've never had a tuna casserole in my life which I think is funny what um oh well you're not American yeah <laughs> me neither and it sounds disgusting um, fools. Yeah, Shout out I, to my mom for making good tuna casseroles. I can imagine it being good. Um, but uh, anyway, before that, um, when they're talking about their family being cursed, I wrote down the exchange here. Both our families are cursed, says Sam. Dean says, our family isn't cursed. We just had our dark spots. Our dark spots are pretty dark. And Dean goes, you're dark, which He's is so great. Lame. He's yeah. such a dork. <laughs> Literally delivery so on that like that line super corny like uh, in the script but uh he delivers it great mm-hmm. thank you jackson um mm-hmm. also i guess prior to that uh with roger getting his head cut off by the window um unlike emma i thought that scene was hilarious i guess it makes oh it's so <laughs> i guess funny. it makes sense later on why it was so graphic just because like uh, it was Max using his psychic powers to, like, really bring it down with full force. But just, like, someone getting decapitated by a window, like, going down on them yeah. is the, is extremely funny to me. I was um, like, that's a sharp fucking the, window, like, huh? The way the, the camera, like, cut up, like, panned up and did the blood splatter was very corny. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I was, was, I was so deeply funny. entertained by it. Uh, and also the fact that, like, 
I guess like the other thing and it's at the time I was like, oh, that's really sad, but fuck Roger. So like it doesn't, it doesn't whatever. Um, but it is interesting to me. I think this is the closest the brothers have come to almost saving someone like being so close. They talked to him Mm -hmm. like minutes before he died. He was at the door. If things had gone just a little bit differently, they would have saved him. And I I don't know. I kind of like that. Yeah. Especially because we, we know it is possible to avert Sam's visions because, well, he didn't really see anything horrible happen to, uh, what's her name from? Yeah, no, he just oh, kind of yeah, saw yeah. her freaking out. I don't, know, I don't remember her name. We, he saw her screaming in the window, which did happen. Yeah. But we also have, within this episode, uh, we have him saving the stepmother, Anzine. So it is possible for Sam's visions to not be true if mm-hmm. he stops them, but they couldn't for Roger. Good, fuck yeah, that I guy. I kind of like how they, yeah, I kind of like how they, like, couldn't make it in time. Because that's also, like, Sam gets really beaten up mm-hmm. about it. Um, so it's good character stuff. I also just think it's good to, like, humble the protagonists a little bit. Like, we have this conversation about how you can't save everybody all the time, but, like, I really like framing it in this way of, like, oh, you were you just, are so like, close. too late. Yeah. You rolled one, you rolled one failure here, and it just broke bad. Mm-hmm. Rolled a ten. Um... Now, see, in my in my parlance, yeah. that's great. That's an excellent role. Unless you're playing Apocalypse Keys. Yeah. You guys are such or nerds. Any, that's any bad. PBTA game. Anyway, Ash and I are in a tabletop game together. Don't worry. It's fine. Um, also, in this, like, after the vision, but in the shot where they're coming to uh, save him, the after the blood splatter and, like, the thing that makes it a vision, uh, I'm just pulling this up to make sure I'm right, uh, and they're driving toward the apartment complex. Um, there is a... Yeah, it cuts to the apartment, but it, like... The camera is sideways, and then it spins into, like, an upright position. And it's very... Like, go going beyond Dutch angles to show that something is off and askew here, but it was, like, corny cinematography in a way that I liked. And I think it's specifically in center frame is the window where he'll get his head cut off too, I believe. So that's a fun, like, we see the window sideways and then it spins and then there's him down on street level. I don't know, that was just a fun <laughs> shot to me. Uh, but yeah, after that, they go talk to Max again. I wrote, he looks like shit here. He's like very pale, but also feverish. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I'll talk about this now. I was going to talk a bit later, but I did some. I did my actor googling as per usual, and uh, this guy is the most is like an extremely typecast actor. He's been in like a billion things as like a one-off character. Basically, whenever a show needs like someone who is clearly a suspicious murderer, this pig, <laughs> this this actor pretty much only plays suspicious murderers. Love that for him. There's a. Oh, I can't remember. I guess it's the meta text of this episode of like you see this if you've watched if you're watching TV, lots of TV in the mid 2000s, like you might recognize this kid and immediately be like, "Oh, I've seen this guy in other shows. Something's going to be off here." That's really good. Uh after they talk to him, um I think it's Dean who says like that the thing that catches them on like something's off here is like he's like it was totally normal. I had a happy childhood and Dean says Nobody's family is totally normal and happy, which is interesting to me, uh, considering he's the John Winchester defense squad, especially considering the, well, yes, especially, wait, 
What do you mean? I mean, oh, right. Also said, you're right. I mean... We'll get to it. Dean but... agrees with him at the end, though. But, yeah, Let's anyway. See, we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah. We'll get there. Uh, while it's, I'm thinking about it, this episode was written, by, again, by Sarah Gamble and Ralph Tucker. Hmm. Um, Sarah Gamble is, like, queen of making crazy statements about Dean that make me crazy. <laughs> but, um... Mm-hmm. So Sarah Gamble did Dead in the Water and Faith so far. I think that's all of hers. Yep. Dead in the Water, Faith, Nightmare, and then she has one more in this season with Rael Tucker. And then after that, she writes by herself, mostly. Um, There's some framing here. I think it's the guy they're talking to, uh, the neighbor, who says, mm-hmm. yeah, I think his real mother died. And there's a thing about... I like I wrote that down. I wrote real mother down in quotations because that's such a... I don't know. It's like mm-hmm. the show I feel like is implying here that if that hadn't happened to uh his quote his like biological mother, uh none of this abuse would have happened because it in part came out of the fact that like the dad blamed Max for what happened in some way. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Which like we've talked about how um the boys sort of eulogize their family life or what their family life could have been if that hadn't happened if their mom hadn't been killed Mm -hmm. um but we talked about how in that first episode uh john is downstairs like passed out having uh like had some drinks like on the couch is not in bed with her is not there to help her take care of the kids there's like a thing here and I don't know what the show is trying to say versus what the characters are trying to say, but I like I don't know I it felt off to me. You're like I didn't like the framing here of like the the I guess like first of all biological essentialism of real mother even if mm-hmm. like even if the fact that the stepmother stepmother is a piece of shit like the idea of like oh. His real mother, who he like barely knew, this happened when he was a baby. Like he has a, he should have a stronger connection with, with her than he would with his stepmother. Well, we don't know She's how very... long the stepmother has been married to his. That's dad. fair. That's fair. I mean, she was around for enough of it that she should have stopped it, but we yeah, don't know how long. That's it's true. Been. It's just it's very like fairy tale, wicked stepmother, like good yeah. biological mother, like dichotomy in terms of like the the obsession with the nuclear family and like biological parents over like parental figures who come about in a different way um on the note of the stepmother uh there's a good line where she says i'm sorry while max has the knife on her uh, she says i'm sorry and max says no you're not you just don't want to die i thought that that yeah. slapped there with that down. i like mm-hmm. this i definitely liked how little sympathy this episode has for max's abusers yeah like even yeah. even if uh they like prevent the um mom from dying it's like i don't know there is the thing there's the thing Sam says about, like, killing them would make you as bad as them, which made me scream. Like, obviously, like... Murder is killing... bad, but... Murder is bad, but also... Child is... there there's, are... there's, like, there's a self-defense argument. It's, yeah. it's more complicated than as yes. bad as them, yes. Sam. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, before that, also, um, when Sam is, like, talking to Max... 
Sam does say, like, they deserve to be punished also. This episode doesn't dig into that sort of idea enough for us to go on, like, a whole big tangent about that. I could talk about the idea of, like, America's obsession with punitive justice. Uh, I could talk about that for, like, half an hour, probably. And not even America's obsession with it. America in particular, but, like, the West in general. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I just wrote that down of, like, huh. I mean... Like, it's, it's, it's complicated, because, like, it's extremely fucked up what they did, but also, like, uh, punitive justice, like, doesn't work. I don't know, yeah, anyway. That's apparently what Sam thinks, is, is that, eh, it makes sense as a monster hunter, for that to be yeah, your ideology. Yeah, we have kind of this nudge towards, like, hunters as self-appointed yeah. vigilantes, mm-hmm. where monsters... Where, well, this isn't really addressed in the ish- in this episode because there isn't really a monster so much as Max, but um, where we've seen this idea of like monsters as inherently evil and therefore worthy of being mm-hmm. punished. And yeah, destroyed. and like it is addressed kind mm-hmm. of in that the conversation they have when they figure out that Max is uh, psychically killing his family members uh, is Dean says he's not different from anything else we've hunted. We got to end him. Which is, I wrote down, it's very interesting the way the brothers, like, draw this line between what is a person and what is a monster. And I'm sure that we will mm-hmm. come back to this conversation yeah. a lot over the course yes, of this long, long show. Yeah, sure Especially will. over the course of the next two seasons, we've already seen Sam as being paralleled and mirrored against yeah, Max, right? And for so sure. If Dean is willing to kill Max for, you know, for being, for, for killing people, but also for being psychic, um then what does that say about how he feels about Sam? So there's kind of that tension (sighs) being set up there. I'm so sad that we're not talking about episode Mm -hmm. 15 because this episode is such an interesting parallel with the next episode in terms of monstrousness because the people in the next episode are... There is nothing, I guess, small spoilers for episode 15. There's nothing supernatural in episode 15. Nothing at all. They're They're just just people. people. Um, Kind of... Sorry, going back to, like, the conversation between Sam and Max. Um, Sam asking why Max didn't just leave. In addition to being (sighs) just an absolutely shitty Uh thing to say to an abuse Mm -hmm. victim. um, But, like, Sam is so clearly coming from the perspective of, this is how I got out. This is how I fixed it. Why can't you do the same thing? And totally, like, not seeing his own privilege and not seeing, like, the different ways he and Max experience trauma. Um, Cause like Max has developed like this chronic fear um, and that's what's causing him so much frustration. <laughs> and that's what's causing him to do all this is because he's, he doesn't want to be afraid anymore. Um, and he, he knows that if he, even if he just left, uh, they would still be out there. So he would still have uh, something to be afraid of, um, which is I think very common amongst uh, abuse survivors. Um, so, uh, like, I think Sam, it's very interesting that Sam is set up as such a mirror and he practices so much empathy with Max, but then in this moment, he just, he doesn't, he can't compute how Max is still in this situation. It's really weird. Also, uh, when Max is about to turn the gun on himself, when he looks at Sam and says, I'm sorry, Uh that's a lot. Yeah. Um, 
so I guess very briefly before that, I was like, I was not expecting the plot to show up in this episode, and I got very excited this entire time. Mm -hmm. I was like, why did this happen now? Why did his psychic powers awake now? And learning that they both awoke at the same time, learning that oh, like, yeah, I guess this is something we yeah, should probably talk about. Learning that, huh? please say nothing you two who know the future i'm just gonna go <laughs> off for a second as a first time viewer here learning that like sam isn't necessarily a special boy or isn't a special boy in like the um isn't a soul isn't like the sole special boy and that there's other people out there who this happened to and this like awakening thing is something that at least happened to two people, presumably happened to more people on top of that, considering, like, Max dies at the end of this episode, and, like, is, is whatever, whatever was going on with him um, was not so special that, like, I don't know, whoever needed him, or, like, whoever caused this whole thing to happen, like, has, uh, like, contingency people, like, say, Sam, for example, but... Yeah, um, I was like, I was not expecting it. I was extremely like on the edge of my seat for the scene where they're talking to each other. Sam's absolute delight upon realizing yeah. that he isn't alone. And like his, he was already imprinting on this kid earlier. Uh, this was a great Sam episode mm -hmm. in general. I like how he de-escalated mm. the situation. I like how he, even if he says some stupid shit, um, I still like how he like empathized uh, with this kid. And like, yeah, learning that he's not alone learning like genuinely being like we can be together in this like we can help each other we're my brother and i are trying to get revenge on this thing that killed our mom we can help you you can help us we can be a team now he's basically like ready to adopt this kid yeah he's like cool all, third brother yeah, get in the car yeah uh-huh and then it all <laughs> falls apart because of course it does because it's a monster of the week show and you know when characters are like introduced just like cassie i guess uh, no one characters are introduced who, like, could be, like, other primary characters in the show. If things went a different way, uh, they can't do that. It has to break bad somehow, uh, which gives this entire episode, this, the entire back half of this episode, this, like, like, a slow increase of tension and a, like, tragedy that you know will happen, uh, which leads up to the, uh, suicide, which is... <sighs> Yeah, you mentioned his I'm sorry. Uh, I think that that mm -hmm. line is, like sends me into a tailspin. Um, I think like it, there's there's a I'm sorry you couldn't save me. I'm sorry I'm about to do this. I'm sorry you have to see this. I'm sorry you're gonna be alone again. Yeah. <sighs> mm hmm. And what do we think he's about sorry this? Sorry for killing people, but I don't want yeah. to think that he's sorry for killing his. Because there's a there's a bit after this after like during the denouement when. Dean says that Max was too far gone, maybe if we've gotten there 20 years earlier, which gives the impression, and I don't know if this is Dean's impression or if this is the show's, if this is like what what the word of God is trying to say about <laughs> this whole situation, but there is the, the show gives the impression at the very least through Dean that Max was doomed. That, like, there was an inevitability about this, which I hate. I hate that. It drives mm -hmm. me nuts. Well, I think the show tries to explore this idea of does the the thing that give, that makes Max and Sam special does that inherently mm. doom them to to become a certain thing? Um, and the show definitely plays with that yeah. and definitely explores yeah, that. We're gonna see that question um, a lot. I think 
of like, is there okay, any way I guess out like of this? Outside of yeah. the lore, the like positioning of this like abused kid uh like being unsafable in that way i guess is more what i'm talking about compared mm -hmm. like if you completely ignore the psychic stuff and like pretend this kid has just been murdering his family members the normal way uh because of this <laughs> because of what's been done to him just that idea of like we couldn't there's nothing we could have done this was like going to happen this uh, i don't know it's it's weird right because they also view the fact that max um killing his abusers is like an inherently evil thing to do when depending on your point of view it can be completely yeah. justified um and this is considered like what they deserve um so i guess that also is something um that like changes how the show frames it and how dean frames it um because like the fact that the show sees murdering human beings as like the ultimate yeah. sin mm -hmm. um and that's what makes the monsters worthy of killing and not hmm. like i guess this is the thing not... unless i guess that uh, that other human being is also a murderer because i don't think the show is condemning um martin like in last oh that's true no and that's also probably a, a yeah, writer difference for sure, too for sure. but like i i think it is you can draw the line here between the fact that, like, none of these people killed anyone. They just abused a child yeah. mm -hmm. for, like, That's 20 true. years or however old Max is. I got... Max is, he's like, 22. college... Age. Age. Oh, he's 22. He's the same age as Sam. He's... Yeah. Right, yeah, because it happened mm -hmm. at the same time. Right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. He looks a lot... He looks younger than Sam. He does. He, that, that's he like does. He's small. Yeah. He's, like, shrinking in on himself mm -hmm. all the time, too. Yeah. Also, Sam is ginormous. Uh, he's yes, very tall. Sam's a big boy. <laughs> Sam is ginormous. Um, but yeah, I think like it's weird, and this is probably a conversation we'll have a lot, but like even when it's like when the monsters aren't actually killing people, it's still like this really weird moral quandary because Dean Dean sees monsters as worthy of killing because yeah. they're monsters. But then like when they look at humans doing the things that monsters do they're, they're they have this like strange moral quandary which we see in the next yeah. episode which is um, like gone. of like how far gone does a human have to be to become a monster but then we also see monsters who aren't actually hurting yeah. anybody who are you know finding ways around um their nature uh because they don't want to hurt people and they and dean still feels the impulse to uh kill them it's it's and very scorpion it's and something that the show like, dean thinks that humans are the frog yeah. and can never be the scorpion and monsters yeah. are always the scorpion yeah he has this very binary view of the hunting world and the show sometimes addresses this but never in a way that comes to any conclusions because that would point too hard at yeah. Dean's morality. I say Dean specifically because Sam is the one who always injects the nuance usually. Dean is the one who's shoot first, yes. ask questions later. Um, so, like, the show juggles it a little bit and never really points at anything, which ends up being, like, really frustrating. Yeah. But it just doesn't like it want to... Like, it asks the question, but it if, wants it, if to it gave an answer, it would have to, like, reform the entire hunting lifestyle, and that's not what they yeah. want the show to do. Yeah. Yeah, and it would have to it would have to take into account the fact that the boys are yeah. not good people. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Doctor Who does a similar thing, where, like, 
you're you you make the character do things because it's exciting and part of the genre but then you have to like actually you don't want to come to terms with the moral fallout of that which is how Um, you end up with 15 years of a show about two white men going around shooting anybody they want who they perceive as lesser Mm -hmm. it's a problem in general with serialized fiction where you know every episode Mm -hmm. you need the protagonist to show up again the story is about them therefore nothing can Mm -hmm. ever like get in their way until the very end Mm -hmm. there we go got another got another i feel like it's my agenda now to mention the finale and get ash to make a noise i will come to vancouver and kill you (laughs) but you know what i mean right like this is a this is a thing that like is almost inescapable of this genre is like when you're telling a story that's like I don't know, six episodes or 200 pages or whatever. Like, you can have your protagonists, like, do terrible things and then, like, show the consequences of those actions in a way that is, like, fully exploring the outcomes of doing stuff like that. But when you have, when you Mm -hmm. need to, uh, when you have a TV show that's, like, syndicated and needs to run on this air slot, or air slot, on this time slot every every like week or whatever um and you've like signed an agreement with the network that it's going to run for x number of seasons like you can't get rid of the protagonists you can't have them not do the thing Mm -hmm. that you've made the promise about what this show is about the boys can't stop hunting monsters yeah you also can't make them um yeah villains I mean, you can, but that would be way too interesting. <laughs> yes. Well, and also would be like stories like this, like make promises about what they're going to be about. And it is in a way mm-hmm. like it, it sometimes can work if like an audience grows with a show. But often like stories are be especially serialized stories are beholden to their audience and no one not no one but most people wouldn't want that most people tune in to see what like how the brothers are gonna coolly deal with this monster this week so yeah yeah mm-hmm. the, the the audience for supernatural is like such a big conversation that the show itself is in conversation with the fans mm-hmm. not so much yeah. in season one because there isn't an established fan base to be pandering mm-hmm. or uh turning away from but uh, as the show progresses the show is very much in conversation with particular groups of the fan base which again we'll, t- we'll talk about destiel mm-hmm. and like sh- network reactions as we go along but the the fact that <sighs> the show the people in charge of the show the powers that be are aware of who watches their show and have a specific idea of who they want to watch their show and then we get i i can't get into this without going up into like a tangent about spoilers but uh, specific characters and episodes and subplots are like specifically lampooning fan culture and mm-hmm. like mm, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. in very complimentary mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, I'd say literally, it's it's so interesting because not to be super <laughs> in this, um, but someone who was in the Sherlock and Doctor Who and Supernatural fandoms at about the same time um, when all of these these, you know, fandom mocking things all happened at about the same time. Stephen Moffat was responsible for both uh-huh. Doctor Who and Sherlock. Um, but this hap- the fact that this happened in all three at about the same time, 2012 to 2014, like, really says something about how uh, genre showrunners see not only, like, the mm-hmm. fandom, but especially, like, women in fandom, 
um, neurodivergence in fandom, and also just how, like, they feel like they can abuse the people who are giving them all of this, like, money and attention and fame. It's just, it's so, it's such a weird, it was such a weird time in, to be in fandom where showrunners were aware of the fandom. Actively making fun of you. Had the guts yeah. to, like, yeah, had the guts to, like, make fun of you. And then the fact that, like, we came back. Uh -huh. We're here. <laughs> Fuck you. Like, yeah. I mean, the fact that Sherlock, not to expose myself as having watched Sherlock, but I did, in fact, watch Sherlock. And the, the fact that, like, they put a line mm -hmm. in there, who'd be a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Like, they hated the fans so much. They're like, you watch our television show, you like so our content, weird. fuck you. Which is a crazy thing yeah. to tell your watchers. Like, and then in Doctor Who, it wasn't as bad. Like, Osgood is a caricature, but she's not as bad as the scene in Sherlock. Because that was just bad. And it's, and those, and Doctor Who and Sherlock only do mm. it, like, once. Supernatural does it at least three By times. By the way, at I just least. need to say... Here we here in episode five, I have made the horrible realization that this is just my final. Oh, no. This is YouTube pushing me forward onto my final step at be at retro retroactively being being super Hulakified. In that I'm I've also seen Sherlock and I'm a big Doctor Who fan, or at least was when I was younger. I like for the listeners. I am not. I like. Have not I don't participate in fandom. I don't have a Tumblr. I'm barely on Twitter. I like. Imagine. I've been. I am aware of this culture stuff because I'm on the internet. Um, but like, I was not involved with any of it. Um, I was there, Gandalf. <laughs> and it's very funny. Like my my own journey into having watched all three of these shows now, or like you know, I mean, I'm only on season one of Supernatural, but it it yeah, it's all very much. But yeah, the fact that Supernatural like does it so often and is just so horrible about it, like just blows my mind. Like, how so like, open about it? These showrunners, like it wasn't yeah, subtle like, little jigs, but like they're it, such kind of on your side. They just think you're a little bit silly. This is like stop watching our yeah. show. We hate you. Yeah, it was literally like, we think you're all freaks and rapists and that you all need to be locked up. Like, let's literally, like, it's so, there's so much. It's truly such Like, a literally, show. like, you guys are all insane and you should not be allowed in I mean, to the point where shit. Misha Collins, God bless his name, um, tweeted, you're not crazy. And, like, that was, like, hailed by the fandom as, like, wow, somebody up there literally. is on our side. Yeah. Like, now I have to say the tweet. The, it's just, it's so interesting because this is a show created and um, done mostly by men. They seem, it just seems like they think that they're making this, like, really yeah. cool thing. Like, they're, and it's the same thing with Sherlock and Doctor Who. Uh, if it's not obvious, I hate Stephen yeah, fuck Moffat. Stephen Moffat. Um, with all of my Moffat heart. Zone. It sure fucking is. Um but the fact that these men who are making genre television are taking they're 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 taking themselves yeah. so seriously and think that they're doing something so cool and so imaginative and so artful like king you are writing the cw supernatural you are writing doctor <laughs> who you, like it's literally like you, you didn't learn from the star trek people like women neurodivergence queers we make your shit like you would be nothing without us and you're gonna make fun of us like it's just 
insane. Like you're like the call was coming oh. from inside the house. You're writing this. <laughs> Sorry, not to get on like a whole thing, but like this is something that has bothered me so much for such a long time. It just blow it boggles my mind. I want to like shake people by the shoulders and be like what is right. wrong with you? Not only because it's just like it's ridiculous and silly because like we're making you your money, but also like I just don't understand why people feel like it's okay to mock other people for harmless interests, and that's just because I am very autistic, and I was mocked for how well, who, how much I liked my stuff for a very, very long time, and it's taken a long time to unlearn that internalized cringe culture. So it just it yeah. it baffles yeah, me. I kind of want to get everyone it in charge of like there was not making more fun of fandom in Supernatural and like. Just, like, get them all in a room and just yell, like, how dare you? Like, what is your problem? <laughs> Literally. Literally. Like, and, you know, we poke fun at the Supernatural fandom. Um, especially, we poke fun at early 2012 to 2014 fandom. There was mm -hmm. a lot of really, like, silly shit. I was, I was into Homestuck, yeah. okay? We could have a whole... Nobody knows more about silly fandom shit We could have a whole, like, speaking okay? of, speaking of making fun of your fans, we, you and I could talk about Homestuck. We're not gonna do that. Yeah, and speaking of some, like, fandoms that at the time seem like they should have been made fun of, like... I was there. I was in the fucking trenches. <laughs> I was showing up to school in Homestuck cosplay in high school. Okay? Oh, I man. was fucking Ash there. I deserve reparations. Right on the air. No, I, I, yes, I had an air of I had an air of breath hoodie. I'm not free of sin. I am not ashamed. I am speaking out for the little man. Yeah, well, I got into Super super Hulock, actually. I'm not even going to pretend it was just Supernatural. I got into all three of them at the same time over the course of summer of 2015. And so I picked up everything. I wasn't on Oh, Tumblr you started yet. late. Yeah. You everything really are the dead already. I, mean, I was not is, on Tumblr yet. Your... I was getting everything on Pinterest and Google+. I've mentioned this. And so I was getting all of the leftovers, and I didn't realize that they were, like, old posts. So I thought it was still around. And then I got to Tumblr, and nobody cared about Supernatural anymore because it was 2015. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I just made a Harry Potter blog uh -oh. instead. But oh, now God. I'm back. <laughs> See, my, my pipeline was literally, like, Doctor Who roleplay forum, and then injecting super who lock into said doctor who roleplay and then eventually branching out and doing separate fandoms it was a I whole have, like, thing folders saved on my have laptop brain of like worms. pictures of super who lock memes from pinterest That's so valid see and i wasn't into this i wasn't in the super who lock fandom like I just happen to be in all three of those right. fandoms at once which is like that's a different like, yeah, I feel like those, they're separate yeah they things. are separate things yeah because I remember Super Hulock was, like, this, this, the fandom where, like, they all, and Marvel sometimes, uh, Homestuck sometimes, mm -hmm. it expanded and, and contracted, depending yeah, on, like, yeah, like all categories, it is reductive. Yeah. They all, they all, like, existed within the same universe, like, that was part of the, the enjoyment factor of Super Hulock, is, like, what if this all happened in the same universe, um, and they all, like, interacted. Oh my god. It was... Oh my god. Mm -hmm. No, I just I made the realization. No, 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 no. You didn't no, no, realize no, no, no. that no. they were like I just made me No. I just made a specific realization that out there somewhere there are mul probably multiple homestuck crossover fix with supernatural. And I don't know how I feel about yeah, that. If you're like, writing I'm that, already you're writing that, like, good on you, I guess, but also that fusion is baffling to me in terms of what that would look like. Okay. 
You know, this the very brief when I was super hyper fixated on Homestuck as like a twelve year old, uh-huh. when I was role playing Doctor Who with, um, you don't know. Why I'm gonna Emma, have to you bleep know. this name so many um, times. <laughs> well, this is probably all gonna be cut. Anyway, I don't know. I'm gonna probably friend... gonna leave most of this in because this is great. Um, but we, I try. I was. I was like, what if we did a. Uh, Homestuck Doctor Who crossover, and it was very brief because it fucking sucked. Because <laughs> never. Oh no! But it. But the master deadass. Okay, the what master. Was the master's Johnson class master, We didn't get that far. Uh, he just boo. met Gamzy fucking Makara on a beach, and they just had like a really brief conversation, and that was the end of it. I don't even remember what they fucking talked about, but just the thought of John Sim Master hanging out with Gamzy Makara just makes me want to jump off a cliff. What are what are Dean and Sam's class? I no, shut up, shut up. We are not doing this right now. Okay. I would have to reread the wiki, and I'm not many, fucking doing that. How many that. before we before we put like, the the kibosh on this whole tangent? How many how many Homestuck? Supernatural crossover fix are there at AO3? I need to know. It's 99. 99 Supernatural Homestuck. Uh, assuming they're properly tagged as crossover for Supernatural and Homestuck. Oh, 99. Oh my 99. god. 99. No. I'm, I'm Some of them have crossovers here. with other stuff too. It's Supernatural, Homestuck, and potentially others. There's one right here that's home- Homestuck, Supernatural, Doctor Who, The Avengers, and Sherlock, exactly as we were talking about. And it was close to 2016. Komaida Nagito slash Sans Undertale. <laughs> Hatsune Miku! <laughs> we right, we're done here. The Wetzler? The purple guy from Five Nights at Freddy's? <laughs> Alistor from Hasbin Hotel? Fingers in his ass Sunday. Okay, I, I just need you to hear the list of, ca- of things that are tagged as fandoms for this story. Marvel Cinematic Universe, The Avengers Marvel Movies, The Avengers Marvel All Media Types, Thor Movies, Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling, Good Omens, Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, Supernatural, Hitalia X's Powers, oh Homestuck, no. Welcome to Night Vale, Doctor Who 2005, this Norse is... Religion and Lore, Slavic Mythology and Folklore, Abrahamic Religions, Wicked All Media this Types. This is like super the Super Smash Brothers of <laughs> twenty of like mid uh, early to mid twenty tens time. Baba Yaga. Fandom culture. Baba Yaga. <laughs> Who? Who is Baba Yaga? <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I feel like that Beyonce gif every time you say something new. <laughs> I just have Hamilton Lake for the title. No. Okay, listen, I just want to say, we realize that some of these are probably jokes. Yeah. But you don't understand. But it's funny. Some of like... them are from 2012 and are legitimate, okay? Like, you don't understand. And it's great. Like, I, like oh, I'm laughing. I'm laughing in part, like, at how incredible this is. Like, more power to these people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's great. It's, it's I think incredible. it's great. I love it. It's incredible. It's Listen, also I'm very funny I'm posting Supernatural fanfiction in 2021. I have no grounds to make fun mm-hmm. of anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Deadass. Dick Roman slash the Condis. Neither of you know enough about Supernatural and Homestuck to make that like to know what that means, but it's incredibly uh, I mean, psychically yeah, I, damaging. I, I, well, I know I a little bit. About but one of Emma, things. you don't know who the Condis is, and I don't no. think Wyatt knows who Dick Roman is. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, it's so people who live in my specific brain <laughs> are just gonna be insane for this one. 
donkey. Editing this episode is going violence? to be a fucking nightmare. What's going on? I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. This is so incredible. Actually, I'm going to go. Oh, oh my god. Wait, wait, wait. Look at the, the list of fandoms in this is like very long. I actually the can't Queen this. I'm slash not Misha Collins? Huh? Wait, like the Queen of Naruto Britain? slash Sharpay? What? <laughs> what? Yeah, Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> <laughs> Truly it's a joke. the it's most, a joke, list, but... the most it's a, list of sorry. characters. It's still utterly unhinged, joke or not. Okay. So, uh... Next time on Word of God. <laughs> We're... Oh my god, this one's from 2013. Help! Alex just came down like he's screaming down here. <laughs> Listen, if you are out here, I mean this genuinely, if you are out here writing Supernatural's Homestuck crossover fanfiction, I... I... I honor you like a god just sincerely you are incredible keep doing what you're doing i love you drink some water all right i'm i'm forcibly shoving this train back on the tracks before we finish here we need to fucking talk about the way the brothers talk about john winchester at the end of this episode oh yeah that's right we gotta talk about john winchester again there's nothing else there's there's we talked about i got i I talked about one more thing before that actually i have something okay I mean, like, I just to bring things back around, just to bring the energy down slightly. Yeah, I, I was like, I like this episode in general. I was, I still don't completely know what to think about because I think it could be worse, but I'm still kind mm-hmm. of pissed off at, like, the ableism of, like, this mm. traumatized kid, like, the only way out. The the on, the way it's framed is the only way out for him was either to, like, have killed all his family or to kill himself or, like... Yeah. to have killed himself here and it sucks and i wish max deserved better and it makes me very mm-hmm, sad mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's it his story also deserved more nuance yeah but it's 2006 so what can we really expect yeah sorry miss yeah. gamble it's a good episode but you know not everything is a winner yeah uh the one thing i have before we get to talking about john is uh we've talked about sam and the word freak um freak mm-hmm. shows up a couple times this episode um mostly at the end or most notably at the end where sam says that uh, sam tells him about moving the dresser and dean hands him a spoon like bend this and sam says i can't just turn it on and off dean yeah it's very cute of dean and sam gets kind of annoyed and dean says well how'd you do it and sam says i don't know i can't control it i just i saw you die and it just came out of me like a like a punch you know like a freak adrenaline thing so the word freak in like slightly different Mm. context but still like applying to sam um and the Speaking of different contexts, uh, Sam saying, tell me this doesn't freak you out. Mm-hmm. So, or, where Dean says, it, this doesn't freak me out. So so the word freak being used in a different sense, but still uh, this idea of like weirdness and uncomfortableness as related yeah. to Sam and his powers. Okay, so for the, the John conversation. Uh-huh. <sighs> so after they're talking about how it's so sad they couldn't save Max, Sam says, well, I'll tell you one thing. We're lucky we had dad. And Dean according to the transcripts, says, looking astounded and pleased. I don't think he looks pleased, but that is up for interpretation. Says, well, I never thought I'd hear you say that. And Sam says, well, it could have gone a whole other way after mom. A little more tequila, a little less demon hunting, and we would have had Max's childhood. All things considered, we turned out okay, thanks to him. And Dean looks back over his shoulder, so Sam doesn't see his face. There's a shot from behind him. It drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. It looks really good. And then Dean turns back and says, all things considered. The way Sam says... It would have just been, if it was only a little bit different, we would have had Max's childhood. And then says, thanks to John, 
it turned out okay. Even though in his alternate, in his like AU in his head, it would have been John who would have done these things to them. I don't know how you can think that about your dad. If you think that it's only a, a little bit extra tequila and they would have had that childhood and then immediately turn around and say, we turned out okay thanks to him. It drives me fucking nuts. The levels of cognitive dissonance here that uh-huh. Sam is operating yeah. under. Like if you, if you are going, if, if you ever find yourself in the situation where you think, well, it could have been worse, it then was probably I have pretty something bad. to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably pretty bad. And don't ever fucking compare your own, yeah. like, just because, just because your parent didn't, like, physically abuse you, just because, like, they only made you cry a couple of times as a teenager or whatever. Like, don't compare that shit. Yep. Just don't. Just don't. If it's, it's all bad. And you deserve to feel, like, vindicated for it. And they deserve to be pissed off at John for ruining their fucking lives, even if he didn't, like, regularly hurt them. Yeah. Yeah, if the thought crosses your mind that, like, this could have been me, something's, mm-hmm. something's rotten in the state of Denmark. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, if, if there's, like, one, you know happy accident that prevented you from having a like serious traumatic incident happen in your childhood like coming from somebody who has had that thought multiple times like this is ash this is ash over oversharing hour um like that is a sign that there like like Wyatt said that's a sign that there is something there like if the if the system is already that unstable that like you know one extra switch flipped would have tipped you out into what you consider the danger zone like you are already in the danger zone you just don't know it yep anyway anyway that's our take care of yourself kids yeah (laughs) yeah fuck abusive parents um back to what sam says uh the the fact that he says a little less demon hunting first of all interesting that he pauses them specifically as demon hunted demon hunters and not just like monster Mm -hmm. hunting yeah. Um, I guess now that they know. But to it's be fair, a demon, yeah, they know. Um, now they that are they know, hunting. They've been a after demon. a demon their whole life, so fine. Yeah. Uh, also interesting. Uh, we'll get back to this in a few episodes. I don't remember how many, but um, Sam specifically thinks of them as hunting this one thing and like yep. killing things at, on the way. But like this is their, you know, that's they they hunt this case. But also the idea that like thank God d- Dad. I know, turned out his aggression towards demons and monsters and not towards us, us. is, is yeah. like he recognizes that this is John's outlet for the all that anger and frustration that Max's dad turned on to him. And so he John has this anger and and violence in him, but he turns it into hunting, which is violent. And um, so like we've talked about the, the hunting as um, this this weird more amoral maybe of like this this moral quandary of like who deserves to be hunted is like a big question and the fact that in this instance it's good because it means that he wasn't hurting his kids um Mm -hmm. makes my head spin but the implication being he was hurting somebody else's kids but it was okay because they were a monster exactly it's very much like who deserves violence in this very american masculine way where there is only violence, and it just matters who you point it to and how. Wyatt, you said that Dean is kind of agreeing with him here, and I don't really agree. I think he's, he certainly says, That's, like, all things. He, he yeah, like, repeats no, what right. Sam says, but I don't think that he, like, actually agrees. Which, um, hmm. 
hints at or, or like points at really it's not even if, if you take it from my view it is not even that subtle like the the way that Dean clearly recognizes that their childhood is worse than Sam realized which means either that or not either which means that he was shielding Sam from it like Sam got less negative attention from John which again we'll see when we get to something wicked um and Dean allows him to keep that you know illusion of John as benevolent parent who you know could have been worse uh but also kind of implies that it's possible that John did abuse Dean physically uh, it's not stated, but it is possible to get that reading from mm-hmm. this scene. It's where, where Dean has that yeah. moment of darkness uh, uh, and silence, I'm, and then he, he like, brushes I'm the moment with you. away. I, I guess, like, as only a viewer of season one up until this point, you two have the benefit of foreknowledge. I think the characterization of these brothers' relationship to their dad is a little spotty in terms of how each of them feels. I feel yeah. like different writers mm-hmm. have different ideas yes. about yes. John Winchester yeah. and how the brothers relate to him to him and there's no mm-hmm. i feel like the stronger th- thematic through line overall is that dean is the one who is more loyal to john and sam is the mm-hmm. one who has doubts which i guess is why like i noticed that less at the end here or like i like the i think the reading is definitely there i think you two are more right than me for this specific episode but it bothers me the fact that like it it makes less sense in terms of it's less Sam, consistent, but it, it's more yeah. in the text here for this yeah. episode. And it's, it's interesting also because Sarah Gamble wrote Faith in which they deliberately parallel Sam's faith in like the divine with uh, Dean's faith in John. That, that's like a whole like conflict Oh, that's there, definitely like going to come back. Dean can't see. Maybe. I know. It's just like it. it Dean having yeah. doubts here. I, I don't know. It's I don't dislike it. It just... I don't have a, I can't see an arc, I guess. Mm-hmm. I just see It's one of the show's many inconsistencies. Yeah. yeah. Which is partially because of writers, partially because I feel like nobody actually, nobody in the writer's room in general actually wants to pin down um, John Winchester yeah. like, as, is he a bad parent? Is he, you know... They're trying to have it be this blank space so far. Yeah, because yeah. they there don't want to villainize him. Yeah, there was a post that went around on my dash the other day, um, which I guess I have to link now, which um, the the gif of the, like, skateboarder running with his skateboard and he just never jumps onto it. Uh, <laughs> captioned how it feels watching the CW set up John to be the real villain for 15 years and then never deliver on it. Which, like, literally. Yep. I mean, there's there's spoilers in that for the finale, so uh, I I did not mention the exact caption, but that uh-huh. was the gist of the post. And yeah, they they keep dancing around the issue of like, well, what was Saint John really like? Are we supposed to, you know, what are we supposed to think of him? Uh, which yeah. brings me to the quote that I didn't get to mention when we were talking about Buck Lemming. Uh, Eugenie Ross Lemming's w- wiki page has a quote from her, where. Uh, talking about like the development of the show and this this quote drives me crazy so it's pretty long but here we go you know the show is so idiosyncratic it's kind of like whimsical sometimes someone will come in and say well i know we were doing sorry well i know we're doing this this and this but what if we just tweaked it a little and did this instead what are the implications of that and sometimes that takes you on a whole different path and we're always so far ahead thinking so far ahead each season lays the groundwork for the one that's going to follow so you're always going to think like that 
you know, Andrew, meaning Andrew Dab, who's going to come up later, might have a game plan in his head. This is sort of where I want to go. This is where I want to lay it out. But then someone else will say, but yeah, if we do that, we'll lose such and such. So it's a very vigorous and flexible conversation that we have probably on a weekly basis on maybe how to change things. I suspect it's not as organized and as linear as a lot of serialized shows are. It's a little more inspired and somewhere you'll just go with an inspirational thing and then you're just, you're on that train. Whew, that was long. Um, so just like admitting that behind the scenes is a train wreck. Like nobody knows what they're doing in advance, which uh, very Star Wars tri uh, sequels, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like uh -huh. the, the idea that like you have an idea of where it's going, but then it gets passed off to the next person on, on a weekly yeah. basis. Say what you will about S Stephen Moffat, which obviously we will. <laughs> and have. Um, but at the very least, like at least uh, Doctor Who has like consistent showrunners that kind of control the main narrative, whereas Supernatural is like we've it's like improv the whole time. Like you've got a goal for the season, and how you get there is anybody's fucking mm -hmm. guess. It's insanity. Which, like, yeah, I mean for Doctor I mean, Who, you have uh, in in New Who. I'm not talking about classic Who right now. You have three showrunners, and they've uh, contradicted each other in like extremely yeah. spiteful and petty and funny ways. But with mm -hmm. Supernatural, you have several eras so um the Kripke era is seasons one through five and then uh Sarah Gamble did six and seven um Carver I think did eight through maybe 11 and then Andrew Dabb picked it up for the last few seasons um and so and so you can see the difference you can tell the difference between the eras and we will talk about <laughs> Kripke era when we get to season three finale <laughs> but mm. Um, wait, oh my god, the speech I'm going to unload when we get to the season 3 finale, oh boy. But uh, in the meantime, the, the idea that like the inconsistencies are because there was not a clear vision, and as we get past Kripke era where there was more or less a clear vision, it, it just gets worse. There's like, the continuity is a nightmare. The continuity is a nightmare, the scaling gets the power creep, to use a Magic the Gathering term, like... It just the escalation. It just gets more and more. Yeah, yeah the, the escalation. The post that I sent to the Discord about how ridiculous. Uh, like it just keeps getting bigger. The stakes have to keep getting higher in order for this it's show Dragon to Ball continue. Z. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm gonna link that. And as it well. just, it just, it gets to the point of like ridiculousness. Is just, and that was like to the point where like the writing is so bad and the the story is just so like silly and dumb that it just stops being entertaining like that was why i fell off at like season nine or ten because it just stopped making sense and it stopped being appealing and i think that's why most of us fell off at seasons nine or ten i just need to go off briefly um mm -hmm. i like i don't necessarily think you need a showrunner to like make a good story like i think mm -hmm. like great stuff can come out of like people collaborating over a story and like getting together and agreeing on the way things go and sharing ideas and talking about it in the way that uh this writer talks about this however you need you can't you can't do that while you're going <laughs> you got to do that first and then come to an agreement and then write the episodes <laughs> which is which yeah. is a different thing which is not what these people are doing i i just want to say like there's nuance there of like it's not necessarily that you need someone, like, being the one in charge of the whole thing to, like, tell a good story. Uh, but you do need to have actually come to an agreement. Yeah. Like, in 
Endgame after it came out and the writers couldn't the writers and like directors or producers couldn't agree on whether Steve created a new timeline. <sighs> right. I just <laughs> Okay. Like okay. basic okay. communication Fine. here, people. That is yeah. all I'm asking. Uh-huh. Final thing. Final thing. Um I like the way this episode does the usual thing that it does to Dean, but I really liked it. And actually, no, that's not true. It's it, it, a little bit. It isn't because it when they're back in the hotel room, um, Sam says, aren't you worried, man? Aren't you worried I could turn to Max or something? And Dean says, nope, no way. You know why? And Sam says, no, why? And Dean says, you got one advantage Max didn't have. Dad? Because dad's not here, Dean. No, me. As long as I'm around, nothing bad is going to happen to you. And, and here Dean, the transcript and, says, like, Sam does puppy dog look. Yeah, and smiles, and it's it's really sweet. It's that thing, like, we talked about before, about, like, Sam and Dean don't tell each other I love you, but they do, like, subtextually, mm-hmm. like, during, like, when they say things like this to each other. Uh, it's very sweet, and I like it a lot. Um, He's so good. He's just and then, of course, his little brother. Yeah. And then he does the Dean thing, and it's great. I so thought, like, ooh, next episode is gonna, like, lead into something here when Dean says, now then, I know what we need to do about your premonitions. I know where we have to go. And he says this seriously, and, like, it's, it's treated like a yeah. serious thing, and I was interested. And then immediately... He like he says Vegas and then grins <laughs> and then like this incredible musical sting plays um and Sam gets mad at him and Dean's like we'd clean up at the crafts tables and then they the episode ends and it's very cute. He's so good. I like I thought I thought we were going to like get new characters introduced or like follow a plot yeah. line. I was like what is he talking about here? I don't remember this part. <laughs> and then it was a joke cuz he's trying to cheer him up. Yeah. So cute. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, also the joke, but then once Sam turns away and heads to the car just before Dean closes the motel door, like, he has this look on his Mm, face of just, like, horror and terror. Like, Really? I don't remember it being as bad as that. Maybe I'm reading into it, but, like... I'm looking at this. That's why I think he's he's been, like, low-key panicking. You, uh, yeah. viewers, you can, we'll put this, we'll put this shot of Dean's face in the show notes. You can make a decision for yourself here. Maybe I'm just, like, reading into the Jack Dean Joyce's, but, like, Dean looks frightened to me. Like. Oh, I dropped a link in the Discord a while ago to say that I would talk about it when we got to 114, and now I can't find it. Oh, I found it. Yeah, it's basically the reason that i believe that dean is not actually agreeing with sam um and i will it's already in our channel for links to use so i have i will remember to put it okay. into the post i mean i i i i'm with you on it it's just like the i don't know whether i guess like i i can have some cognitive dissonance here myself and believe that for this episode but maybe not continue to believe it for other episodes where they think different things Dean simply does not know what he wants. Yeah. He wants a hug. I'm going to give him a hug. Oh, God, yeah. I don't think... I'm watching the scene. I, like, it looks more like consideration to me than horror. Maybe this is maybe this is my sense of, like, retrospection because I know... Yeah. I know things. We sure do know things. Yeah, we do, huh? All right. So, next time, we will be talking about episodes 15 16 and 17 i don't have the episode names whoops 
Uh, the Benders, Shadow, and Hell House. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, you, I'm going to have to hold on to what I have to say about Benders until next week, so I'll, I'll have to manage somehow. Yeah, those I'm are all such big to ones, too. Episode. Not as big as these, because um, this is, we just talked for, like, absurd amounts of time about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I'm so excited to talk about Shadow, Shadow and Hell House. Yes. Shadow is plotty. Hell House is just great. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Ghost facers for life. Yeah. Oh, is that ghost facers? No, that's oh, the great. ghost facers, oh. but this is... What? Mm, okay. Yes and no. All right. Well, anyway... Ash, Ash, I'll explain it to you later. Uh, catch <laughs> okay. us next time. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us on uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on to, which you can do it on. Uh, at this point, we should be on iTunes. If we're not, uh, something has gone very wrong. Um, but... <laughs> If if not, I'll have to like write an angry email to Apple or something. I've been having some issues getting us on iTunes, but we should be by the time you're listening to this, we should be on iTunes. So please rate and review us there. Um, hope you enjoyed listening. If you're See not you listening week. on your podcast platform of choice, you can find a list of other platforms we're available on at our Tumblr, at Word of Godcast, on our Listen page or our pinned post for a complete list, updated as we get onto more platforms. Uh, and on that note, you can follow us on Tumblr or on Twitter, as we said at the start of this episode, for at Word of Godcast. The Last Ones by Jazar on freemusicarchive.org. Licensed under an attribution share alike 3.0 international license. Find the link in the episode description. Music.